0: Hi guys, welcome, welcome one and all to a Talking Bollocks special. Thank you very much for allowing me once again to be in your ears. Um, So, although this will slightly date the podcast, um, there are some uh, bits and pieces going on with the uh, Talking Bollocks back catalogue at the moment. If you can't find it, um, everything is on um, YouTube. Um, everything will start coming back through your app again um just doing some uh, we're well, basically moving servers uh and trying some different services behind the scenes so um that used to be interesting to see how that develops um anyway welcome to I haven't done one of these specials for a long time and um I've been working on this one for for a a very long time because um initially um, some of these interviews took place um, a while ago. So, for instance, let me get the date up. Uh, Jason from Akakoka, that was... I haven't even got a date on that. Um, so, sorry about that. Um, uh, but some of these tr- stretch back a, a few months. And they... they well, I, I'm going to play them in the order they were done. Um, you've got some really interesting um, views from you know, people like, well, performers like Jason from Aka um for uh, All from Evile. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's. I hope you find it interesting. Um, the whole point of doing this is obviously mental health is something that we all need to talk about, something, um, you know, I've had my battles that I've been um, very open about. And um, uh, this is really... Just a selection of people coming together um, that I thought would have a conversation. Well, Jason volunteered straight away, as did all. Um, and it was just a fake. I mean, um, Gareth and Gillian from uh, Mental Health and I. Um, agreed to come on immediately, which is great. And since then, we we had quite a chat, and um, and uh, we we've announced dates in um in Belfast, and they're going to come over um and and have a stall at our show. So that's really cool. Really looking forward to seeing them. Um, there's not much more to go really. There's not much. There's, it doesn't require a, a great deal of intro. This it is what it is. It's a mental health special, and hopefully, um, you can. You know if it's you yourself listening to this recognizing some things and thinking yeah you know that's that's something i need to get a handle on or anything like that you know um contact me contact anybody in the podcast please do um it'd be great uh, be great to hear from anybody um who wants pointing in the right direction alternatively um paul has got some wonderful, advi- wonderful advice about the samaritans which um will be coming up in the in the very last interview um of the lot um so, without further ado, I'm going to go to my old mate Jason Mendonca of Um, um We had a chat a while ago in uh, in Virginia Water, um, uh, just uh, out just uh, in case you know Virginia Water, not far from the main lake itself. Um, yeah, we had quite a chat um, in a previous in my previous interview with I Just touched upon the fact that. Jason had had um, a bit of a bad time, and that's why Akakoka ended up on hold for a while, or at least um, a big part of it. And um, and we go into more depth now. Um, it just remains for me to say, I'm not going to put any intros. Um, you know, I'm not going to do anything, any sort of chitter chatter in between these in, uh, interviews. I'm just going to play them all one by one, um, and um, and you know, enjoy. That's all I can say. Um, here they come. So um, you find uh, Jason and I uh, in a um, in an archway. Um, I don't know, next to a lake. What, what, is, is that Virginia water? That is that the water that of Virginia? Is,
1: that is absolutely Virginia water, lake. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. So that's what, so. Any of you who know where that is, that's where we are. And those of you who don't, that's also where we are. Um, uh, so we just had a, a, a nice uh, little Sunday lunch and um, come for a walk around the lake. And we're in this—it's um, quite, um,
1: yeah, sort of surrounded by. They're not Roman ruins, are they? No, Libyan. I think ancient Libyan antiquities, Libyan ruins. Yeah, that were stolen by someone in English a hundred years ago and shipped over here to be um, left as some sort of uh, decor, I suppose it's
0: um yeah it's quite it's quite um it's quite eerie actually um well that which isn't eerie at all um but um that's quite a sort of yin, yin-yang point you've got there I thought
1: sort of like to think, you know you've got this sort of necro room where you really keep dogs it's quite a nice sort of you know diametric offset
0: I, I like that yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I like your use of words as well yeah. I'll I'll look them up when I go home <laughs> but, um So This Well let's go right back Right back to the beginning When we first When we first met And I interviewed um, And interviewed you As a whole band Yeah I was keen to get I had I'd watched a couple of interviews You hadn't been back that long I watched a couple of interviews, and I'd, I'd seen you, in my eyes, be clearly evasive as to why the band was, um, uh, had taken a break. Okay. And I thought, that would be an interesting... I'd just like to dig a little more. And I, and I asked you, and you kind of went, oh, life gets in the way, and I kind of said, look, I'm, um, yeah, I, I've heard that answer before, and I'm not convinced. Uh-huh. And you, you were quite, surprisingly, from my point of view, you were quite open and just kind of went, well, look, actually... Yeah, this is why Yeah um, you Yeah know, my, head, my Yeah, my head was in the shed, kind of Yeah, you know? yeah. And something you said, I, I really remember this very clearly Because I remember you saying it to me And you were saying you were turning up at practice And you couldn't remember riffs from the previous week You couldn't remember what you'd done the previous week And Correct. straight away I knew, Correct. I knew that feeling yeah. Do you know what I, mean? I knew that feeling of doing something that you've done a hundred times but it feeling aliens. Almost yeah. like an out of body experience. You know. I mean, yeah. yeah. That's that's how it you know, that's how it sort of manifested for me. Yeah. Um and um yeah, it was it was I just thought I remember being it was like incredibly honest of you and you know, really really open. And I wanted to kind of delve a little bit deeper, but when there's three of you Sat across the desk from me, you know, sat across the table, <laughs> me, and we're in the pub. It's yeah. like, yeah. it's it's not the time or the place, um, and um, and presumably you you know, like all of us who go through those struggles, you've you, you know, you, you've you've been there, and
1: then but you've also got a fight to not go back there. Completely, yeah. It's, it's, it's an ongoing process. Essentially, what is referred to as a tool toolkit—you know—to uh, help manage uh, mental states, really. Uh, and when I say mental states, obliquely, what I'm specifically referring to is anxiety, uh, yeah primarily, um, as, well as, as well as other, other issues. But, but um, anxiety, as anyone who's experienced it we know, can be absolutely crippling. I found it really, a really, really interesting journey going through um, what turned out to be a very, very successful therapy over a number of years, over two years, I think, um, to actually gain some grasp and understanding of why you arrive in these states um, that have always been completely different to you and everything, a completely unexpected, jarring. Has been documented. I think where it where it came from uh, was for me, for me personally was uh, I I'd, or, or, I'd had undiagnosed depression since my teens and um, just sort of cracked on and found my own coping mechanisms, um, some healthy, some self-destructive, mostly self-destructive, frankly. <clears throat> and then I got to a point in life where the analogy that I've used. Was quite so many plates that um, I just was spinning more than it was, was beyond my capability. so some of those plates naturally started to come crashing down and to sort of move from the metaphor what came crashing down was my mind you know yeah and uh, I arrived at a point where um, I ceased to be able to function as, one, uh, as a human being and literally just uh, went to bed pulled the covers over my head and didn't leave it for three weeks you know just and had when, when that happens to you when, when people talk to you about depression right being from a kind of fairly typical stiff upper lip you know, British family you know you, you, you're, you're sort of conditioned to kind of you know, pull your socks up you know pull yourself together man crack on you know which is what I'd been doing for decades and then I finally reached a point where I actually couldn't do that. And when that happens to you, that's a really, really frightening thing. You know? And um, so, yeah, when I actually got diagnosed, it was, it was something of an immense relief, actually, because then when I went through a process of working with someone who understood to unpick these issues, You know, there are are a couple of things. Firstly, you gain an understanding, uh, and secondly, you come to realise that it's not just you. Yes. You know, it's not just you, and and that's uh, it's great to hear. Oh, mate! You know, that's uh, that's incredible because Hmm. all of a sudden, you know, you you can then, if you're if you're lucky enough to be in a position, find find ways to resolve. What was previously unresolved? You know, do a bit of root cause analysis. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I know that feeling well. Of um, and it is it, that that moment where you realise that um, that for for want of a better phrase, and I apologise for lazy language, um, you're not going mad. Yeah. Yeah, completely. You know, and 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 you're not. The third. I mean, especially when you're dealing with a you're talking to a professional who um, who kind of. Puts you at ease in the way of not like you know, oh, I do it with hundreds of you, you know, but more a case of like, look, you, you know, this is you're not saying anything that's that I haven't heard before, yeah, and I think for me that was a, that was a big kind of like, oh right, because in my own head, you know, in the soap opera that is my own head, <laughs> I'm the star, you know, and and surely you know, no one else has, has ever been through this, you know, and to just get that that normalisation of what is the abnormal yeah you know, of what you think of as the abnormal it's like it's, it, that's a big step forward I.
1: Co- completely and I, it's it, when, you, when you're when you in the thick of it I mean particularly you know with panic attacks Yeah, you know, when you when you have a full blown panic attack and you get tunnel vision and, and, and loud buzzing noises in your ears and your heart races so fast that you think it's going to explode and you have this incredible sense of, of fear you know, and it can—it it, it would happen in all sorts of, you know, banal, ordinary situations, you know, being at work, being wherever, you know. When, when that happens to you, it's um, its absolutely crushing, you know. And, but what was explained to me was that this is just like a... It's intrinsically linked to the fight-or-flight um, impulse, which comes from a piece of your brain which is ancient, Right? Yeah. the amygdala right? and the amygdala is <clears throat> programmed to do that you know, it's, it's the animal part of your brain that gives you that fight or flight impulse, that huge rush of adrenaline of now I'm going to cope with an enormously stressful situation but what it does is it misfires so when it misfires that's when you get that kind of space shuttle, kind of meteoric sense of, of panic and turmoil and um, the best part of it was working out that there are ways in which that, that can be managed and ways in which you can address that so that it doesn't happen anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank God there's, there is a way out. And this is one of the things that, you know, I've not particularly been, uh, you know, wearing my heart on my sleeve and running around and shouting from the rooftops about it, but at the same time, I've, I, in gaining an understanding and actually transcending that state to to be, make my life more manageable i've found that that um i'm happy to talk to anyone about it yeah. because you know i think making it normalizing it in a sense and helping other people realize that it's not just them is perhaps some small part of um beginning a healing process maybe yeah
0: absolutely Absolutely, I think, um, and you use the word normalise. I think that's incredibly important because the the, the word uh, that you most associate with things like this, uh, uh, we're still at a stage of society where stigmatise is more, uh, it, it's, it's more the word attached to it. And, yes, um, yeah. uh, and, and I, I mean, I, there's something I regularly post on our, through our social media which says about people suffering from uh, depression, anxiety and panic attacks, asking for help, you know, does not make you weak. It means you're just tired fighting yep. for so long. Absolutely. You know, and it, and it's debilitating, and I, I, to the extent where it, it, I think, unless it's something that you've you've been through, it's very hard to uh, to describe or to even imagine.
1: Co- completely. You know, life is full of relationships, right? And like interpersonal relationships, professional relationships, and uh, so completely as you say, if you're in a situation where you've not experienced that, then you've got no real frame of reference. It's very, very hard yes. to imagine. And, you know, I, I, and when, when the term was de- depression was directed at me, I, it was quite odd to begin with because I had always associated it with what is stereotypically perhaps appreciated as that, as, you know, being a bit of a mopey teenager and, you know, not wanting to get out of bed in the morning. And, yeah, like any stereotype, this and you know, of truth in that, but actually, when you come to the crux of how it manifests and the many different ways in which it manifests for people, that becomes enlightenment, you know?
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, actually being actually get a diagnosis, actually saying some, you know, somebody saying, Look, you, you know, this is what you're suffering from at the moment for me, a great again was, was a big thing because it was like, Right, okay, this doesn't just exist inside my head, mm. this is this is. You know, this is a, 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 a known condition. This is something that is, is is treatable. I mean, I remember I'd spent my entire life looking, looking. There, there, there'd always be. I'd always look for big things I could do. That would change my life, like you know, uh, buy a new car, change, change job, which was a particular favorite, um, and all these big things, move, 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 move out, move somewhere else. And then, uh, what I didn't know that these were, these were all my, uh, I was trying to externally fix an internal problem, yep, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and when at the point in counseling, where, where I, I realized that, that actually the fix wasn't as wasn't as big as I thought it was, you know, and, and that there was a way out. The first time I realised it was, well, I just broke down in tears. Yeah, you know? completely. Absolutely. Because it was, for the first time, it was somebody saying to me,
1: oh no, there's, there's a way out there. Yeah, it's all right, it's all right, yeah. and, and and we can fix this. Now, you work work with me and we can we can do this. And I, I it's funny, I think that the treatment process is, is... well... Multifaceted. I tried three times twice before I got healed. Um, you know, once when I was in my late teens, I think once when I was in my 20s, and it just didn't work. And there were a number of reasons for that, which we don't need to go into. But when it did work, it was because A, I found I was lucky to be introduced to the right. Here and be committed to 110%, you know? Yeah. Go, get on the roller coaster, cling on, and go right through it all. Yes. Because if you don't, there's going to be aspects that aren't covered off, and your chances of success are going to be greatly diminished. in In my uneducated view, you know, that's certainly how I view it. But that feeds into a wider point, which is that whilst I think you know it's laudable that people are more open to speaking about these things, and I think in professional environments there has been something of a shift and an acceptance of mental health issues being um, something that should be acknowledged uh, in the same way that physical health issues are, I also think it's tremendously sad that uh, I think it's a lottery as to. Um, how people can reach assistance and help in yeah. overcoming their condition. And that, you know... We, 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 we talked earlier about the postcode lottery of the NHS and whatnot, a fantastic organisation, I hasten to add, but, you know, mired by so much that I, I'm not going to go into a socio-political rant now, but <laughs> mired by so much... And it's just unfortunate. A friend of a very close friend of mine who's recently been right through the mill, um, you know, ended up having to pull all sorts of stunts to seek the assistance that was right for him, for his particular uh, health condition. uh, That included kind of fabricating an address to get into a region where there was a specialist who could, and so on and so forth. You know, these are extreme lengths. And if, if if you if you're lucky enough to have the wherewithal. To be able to overcome those sorts of uh, organisational challenges, then great. But how many people out there who are absolutely desperate and at their wits' end, you know, are unable to receive the care um, to overcome overcome their illness? You know, and that's yes. that's something that uh, it's, it's stating the obvious, isn't it? But it? Still needs a tremendous amount of focus.
0: Well, I was, uh, funnily enough, I I actually had the the. Uh, Almost the opposite experience, whereby I'd been paying privately for help here and there for a number of years. I was self-employed and, and couldn't afford it, and and ended up throwing myself at the mercy of my of my GP, who 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 recommended me and uh, well it's not recommended is it it's um, it's, it's that it's um, it's that other medical word that i can't remember right now um but um referred it referred me um to the nhs and they spent 20 minutes on the phone with me and i ended up going down a different route of treatment entirely than i had been and that turned out to be the one that turned out to be the suit super- so i actually got you know I, you know I actually got I got, my, I got well on the NHS um, wonderful. D- wonderful despite experience. having you know been able to go private yeah. you know which didn't work for a number of reasons but um, and again I think that's important as well I think is you know you sometimes hear people say and I think you touched on it there it's like oh oh, I tried it and it didn't work well like it, it maybe didn't work because of where you were at it, it, it could have been the person it could have been the type of treatment it's, it, 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 it's like
1: it's like everything else is so right and, it, you know, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again. For me personally, the, the, the exact opposite was true. Uh, private um, counselling was what turned me around. Uh, right. Com, 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 actually, that's not wholly true. But The, the, the large part in, in processing the root causes of how I got into the muddle of where I got to as a, as a human... Uh, that was that was dealt with privately. Uh, I mean, the, the health system, the, the national health um, service did did play a part from a from a medical perspective. But equally, you know, I found like local community mental health teams to be less compassionate than the police. You know, after one particularly severe episode, I woke up on my sofa to find two policemen staring down at me in my living room, saying, "Are you all right, mate?" and um, you know, I, in sheer terror that I was about to be sectioned, which um, scared the crap out of me, um, you know, I engaged with these two officers and ended up with a referral to the local mental health unit. And these people were just, um, you know, I had a very bad experience with them. You know, they were really unhelpful. They, they seemed bored, frankly, like I was an inconvenience to them. You know, and I, I'm not uh, so stupid as to tell... All mental health professionals with the same brush, but I think that's indicative of the fact that, you know, particularly juxtaposing with what you've said, you know, it's, it's, it's luck in the draw in some cases, you know. But you're so right. If you don't get the result straight off the bat, or you know, you have to try a bunch of different people and a bunch of different agencies, you know, the important thing is to keep reaching out, keep reaching out, keep reaching out, and keep talking about it. You know, I think as men, particularly, are uh, people generally, but men particularly, I think, are particularly bad at reaching out for help yeah. because of the kind of masculine stigma around weakness, you know, being weak, being perceived yeah. to be weak, you know. But I can't stress vociferously enough how imperative it is that you, you if, if you are in that state, especially when you think that you might be a danger to yourself, the thing that you must do is reach out. You
0: know? I, I think you're absolutely right there. Um and, and I think it's you know, the, the biggest killer of men under fifty is, is themselves. And um and I think there is there is um that's because we're not you know, we're not pro- we're not processing our emotions, our thoughts, and our feelings as well as I mean, as well as women. I mean, I, or every every single relationship in my family, you know, the man's died before the woman. I'm not saying that that's you know that's not entirely physical or whether it's related to mental health or anything like that, but certainly. Um, from from a, I mean here, here's my very small take on it, from from Cro-Magnon Man era days, right? We'd leave the we'd leave the cave in the morning and off we'd go hunting, and we'd go as a bunch of blokes, right? And off we'd go hunting, and do you know what we do? We'd shut the fuck up, because if you talk, you're. Your your quarry, you're jeopardising the, right? the hunt, and none of you are going to eat, and you're going to starve to death. So what you do is you all you're, you're all there in the trees, and you're all giving it hand signals and, and all the rest of it. <laughs> Meanwhile, the the, the 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 women are back at the cave, chatting to the next door neighbour, you know, de- de- decorating the cave, whatever. I don't need to be too patronising, but but communicating yeah. with each other verbally yeah. whereas we're all doing the hand signals eye signals keep quiet and then once you have killed your prey what do you do you all celebrate together you have a laugh and you have a crack and you and, and you know and you have a bit of banter about this thing that you've just taken down and you bring it back and that's and and it's that you know for, for me it's kind of like it, it, it's DNA programming do you know what I mean it's like right 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 to the core of of, of our problems that we still suffer from today Which are you know, men carry around that that inability to communicate, to open up, to express themselves. I mean I when I was in counselling, see you know, when I looked at the way I'd kind of emotionally processed some things like the death of my father, the end of relationships, things like that, it was just like I just I wasn't dealing. At all, well, you know, yep. and, um, and and something else that I did that I that I found on the other side on the other side of, of, of counselling and and being in the middle of counselling as well was the was the effect I was having on others, the effect I was having on others around me, mm-hmm. and how I've managed to improve their lives by improving my own.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, mm. it's. This, it's so multifaceted but yeah, I think you summarise it really, really well. And I, I, I know that, um, to this day, but, you know, hopefully less so, I, I've been incredibly difficult to feel around, um, And for reasons that are invisible to other people, because you're holding it all inside. And with in, in some people, um, those who are not gifted with the um, compassion or, or willingness to uh, try and understand... Well, you know, there is, uh, I'm sure some of these uh, behaviours are still completely um, intangible to them and in- in- inexplicable. Um, yeah,
0: but it is it's 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 incredible because it's um, there, there are so many similarities to um, to alcohol and drug and drug abuse, oh, yeah. which, which is you know a you're not going to get well until you fully commit to it until you admit you've got a problem then you can't be helped and then when you do and and you kind of see the light, you know you see the light at the end of the tunnel and then for me uh, I was kind of hinting there at kind of almost making amends do you know what I mean almost feeling almost and, and in some cases literally making apologies to, to to people for how I've you know acted in the past
1: and, and, and yeah by, by, by any means necessary you know you've, you've got to commit by any means necessary and I think you know I, I have apologised to people in the past and I was amused on one particular occasion someone I treated particularly appallingly in my view when I did go to them and say look do you Remember this incident? Oh, I've never said this, but I really feel I need to get this off my chest. I'm so sorry, you know. I'm really, and they went, What are you talking about? It happened to me, it happened to you know, me. What, yeah, what, what, what are you talking about? I didn't, I don't, what, yes, I've agonized over that for years, you know, yeah, punished myself, you know, for, for and it was, I'm not saying it was all in my head, but I think the thing is, is that when you're not well, your, your lack of perspective, and you it shifts and that feeds into things like catastrophizing, you know. Yes. Uh, Great is, which is which is something that, you know, can be can be managed, can be treated, you can learn skills to stop yourself from behaving in that way and, and, and taking things that other people might brush off, you know, without thinking. You know uh, and letting these uh, ideas like, dominate your life you know and dominate yeah. how you how you conduct yourself
0: yeah you know I, I, I had a, the exact same experience 25 years had passed and um, oh, wow. I met w- I, I, I met up with um, some uh, used to be friends and um, I'll tell you the full story not here. Uh, but I will tell you the full story uh, and and, um, and a subject you know something came up and discussed it and I was like well that was actually I was on the other side of it it wasn't the way I acted it was the way they acted and and, and it, it, it absolutely it was it was horrendous and um, and they brought this time of life up and uh, I said, well, yeah, yeah, and not so much. And they were like, oh, what was that? And I explained everything, and they just looked at me with this blank face like, oh, I've got absolutely no memory of that whatsoever. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I don't... And, and the, what was terrible was that they 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 were starting to feel guilty for not being able to remember. Oh and it's God. like, <laughs> no, no, it's really, you don't, you know, that that's... You know what you've said there. That's helped me. You know that's absolutely fine, yeah. and that's that's you know you don't you don't need to feel bad. Um, but it, it was so in, it was so insignificant in their life, but f- for me, for some reason, it it burrowed in like a tick. You know, and it was working its way out on my skin twenty five years later, yeah. and um, and it's all to do with you know. It's all to do with things that just—I always, I, you know—I—I I, I genuinely thought I was—I was absolutely even Mister Even Keel. I'd, I'd built up this—I'd built up this complete identity,
1: which now I don't even recognise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And th- th- there is some some truth in in, in my case where people have, who know me extremely well have said that the changes have been noticeable. Uh, and I think when you go through a kind of <clears throat> cycle of boom and bust, the cycle of like immense highs and tremendous troughs, Um, you know, that that sort of ping-ponging from from the poles. Um, Once once that goes away, then it's only natural and and logical that, you you know, you you then do become perhaps more perceptibly on an even keel. Um, But for me, I think, you know, playing in bands, uh, and particularly in bands that have uh, largely focused on very aggressive, angry music, for me, it has always been a catharsis, um, and it, it, it tapers into why, why I was so reticent initially to get the band back together.
3: <clears throat> it was
1: because um, that cathartic process of being able to get up on stage and vent my anger, you know, totally unleash my inner rage. whilst doing something that is constructive didn't in my mind hurt anybody yeah Yeah. and it was (laughs) it's funny Dave and I still talk to this day about death metal therapy you know (laughs) it's it's like you know you get together make this tremendous din you know and you can be a really fucking angry person and and, you're not really hurting anyone but whilst it's unprocessed you're still hurting yourself yeah and so in the years that I was away from music you know I changed so radically inside my own head um but when it was suggested that we we, we play again, oh uh, there was an initial reticence because I said to David you know n- n- I'm not that person anymore." yeah, it was all tied together, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah this is that's that that's then and this is me now, and you know it, 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 there was this, I don't dwell on it because it's uh, self doesn't fact up it's not interesting even to me but, um, but uh, you know there was uh, some work to do around <coughs> realising that the focus of what we do could be shifted to make it reasonable and viable to participate in, in music making activities perhaps for you know better reasons you know, yeah. or certainly different or reasons new reasons yes
0: yes yeah um, and being a, well, I, I know. I mean, I got, I, you know, I got, I got well um, uh, around uh, shit probably around 2012, I think, 2013, I think. Um, and I know that if I hadn't, if I hadn't gone through, I mean, I, for me, it was CBT. If I hadn't gone through that and really got a, a hold of what was going yeah. on, the, this, the whole, the whole acid rain thing would never have happened because I wouldn't have been able to take it. Yeah. I, I, you know, every 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 slight kind of every sort of um, obstacle that, that would fall in my way, I'd have I'd have just crumbled. Yeah. And 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 I w- and not only that, I wouldn't have been a fit person to be around. Right. No. Do you know what I mean? It's like okay, yeah okay, yeah okay. yeah. Do you want to do you want to come and yeah? putting acid rain back together. Do you want to come and do it? And it's like jeez I don't want to be around this guy. Yeah. You know. Whereas. I, and, and I just I, yeah it, 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 it made a difference in so many ways and for, I mean we released the song which is autobiographical lyrically called The Man Who Became Himself which is kind of how I felt at the end of the process it's like wow I I think this is who I was actually this is yeah. this is who I've always meant to be Yeah. I've just I've, I've for some reason along the way you know I got sidetracked Yeah. and and I and, and kind of, I got these tools that I thought were helping, and you know, long like one once upon a time they might have done, but long term, you know, that knife is dull now and it don't cut no
1: more and it's not any use. The thing about uh, it's really interesting. The thing about what you what you may be thinking is that I used to shake a lot, and um, one of the things that would happen is I find myself in a situation. And I'd start physically shaking. And someone explained it to me, which is, if you've suppressed unprocessed um, issues for so long, your body and your brain are so clever that they will find ways for that hurt to come out. You yeah. You know? And it doesn't matter, you know, and, and something you touched upon in a different context. But I think you were talking about the analogy behind, you know, uh, drug and alcohol use and, and indeed tobacco, where, where, you know, never stop giving up. You know, if you, if you want to give something up and it's like, you know, there's that, that correlation there. If, if, if you're ill, you know, never stop seeking help until you get it sorted you know never never stop trying to dry out or trying to stop smoking until you get it sorted if that's what you want right but the, the, the other side uh, a different aspect of the drug and alcohol thing is they're brilliant ways to suppress and mask your inner self yes yeah, yeah. fantastically good at that you know and uh, <clears throat> of course because you're two things one of two things will happen you'll either get to a point where you'll just shuffle off right or if you can cling on that long, your unprocessed pain, uh, whatever is at the root cause of your mental illness, will find its way to the surface somehow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and, and perhaps they're almost one and the same. One of the ways in which it finds its way to the surface is that you will drink yourself insensible every night to not have to deal with things that you may or may not even understand. You know? Or get off your tits. And, and yeah, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Altering your state. So you don't have to deal with the, the constant trauma of being you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's that. And, and it can be physical abuse. It can be mental abuse. Absolutely. It, can be, it can be anything that, dri- that drives you to, to something that trauma. just papers over the cracks. <coughs> totally. You know, something that makes, something that means that you can live with you. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that, yeah, that It's like, there's, a, there's that phrase, just take the edge off. <laughs> you know, and I love that phrase because it is so, so fucking advanced. true. So advanced. it is. It is. Um, well, look, mate. Look, this, is, this has been. This has been really good. I've really enjoyed. Thank you so much. Thank no, you. no, thank you
1: for the time. I really appreciate it. No, I, 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 I think uh, I really appreciate you asking you know, to get my my thoughts on such things and to share this dialogue that we've shared. You know,
0: absolutely, mate. It's awesome. Thanks. Cheers. 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 Okay, I lied. Maybe I will do a little couple of bits and pieces um, between. The, um uh, between the interviews mainly because um you need to know who I'm going to be talking to don't you <laughs> of course um I hadn't thought about that so that was rather stupid of me um so yes coming up next um, we have got uh, Jillian and Gareth from um, uh, mental health ni as it would sound um, is directed more towards uh, Northern Ireland now um big big thanks to Gillian and Gareth for getting involved in this and you you would have heard Gareth on the Slipknot Unsainted special actually um in case his voice rings a bell um and uh, please have a listen now um and a little bit of a, a to my my chat with um uh, Gareth and Gillian. it's um yeah it's it's quite revealing his interview number 2 hello hello there Hi Julian here <laughs> Hello there, Jillian. In, in
4: my in my stupor last night I must have given you the wrong number.
0: Well, luckily it's it's not anyone's number, it's just not recognised. Oh that's
4: good.
0: Okay. Yeah, so, so I, I didn't um, I didn't re- I didn't ring some random stranger and start saying, Hey, it's uh it's me for the podcast <laughs> That would
4: have been a bit embarrassing. No, uh, as you can probably tell, we got in a bit late last night. We were out at Metal uh, to the Masses in Belfast, right. and uh, it, it was a very good night, but a uh, late one as well. You know, so uh, we
0: uh, <laughs> I know was, what I know what you're getting at. Are you trying to tell oh, me that yeah. the two of you might have had the odd shandy.
4: Well, I don't actually drink, but... Uh, well, it's just a <laughs> You've little got little no angry. excuse! You've got no excuse then! <laughs> yeah, we've got the cocoa to them all right beside us, you know, just in case. But um, I'm here, so it's, it's H, do we call you H or You can call Howard me anything
0: or... you like, call me Howard, call me H, call me you what? annoying bastard at the end of the phone, whatever it is, it's <laughs> absolutely fine.
4: Okay. well, I'm here. So I'm here with Gareth. Um, So I'm Gillian CanSanahoe and I've got Gareth Roddick here. Um, And Gareth is one of my um, on the core team of Metal for Life. So um, there's there's another guy as well called Chris Mulholland, who's not available today. So we're quite a nice small wee team at the moment. Um, but I just thought it would be good. Gareth, um, I don't want to drop a minute here, but Gareth plays in a, a local metal band here and he's been on the scene for, um, well, decades. I, I don't want to tell you what age he really is, you know. But um, so 25 I just, years. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's been on the scene for a while. So um, he's a, a great advocate for metal for life too. So I thought it would be worthwhile um, for you to be able to speak to both of us, you know. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, look, you know, and that let's let's dive straight in because you've 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 introduced yourself and uh, and Gareth uh, quite nicely. Um,
4: That's true. And... I mean, before before you start, if you just maybe want to tell us a wee bit about what you do, um, I haven't had any time to listen to any of your podcasts <laughs> or anything like that, but.
0: Um, well basically um, my podcasts are all pretty light-hearted I mean I sing in a band called acid rain I've been doing stand-up for 25 years um, okay and um, so it's kind of like a, a, a light-hearted take on uh, on you know the last month in metal every month get various people on from the um, uh, from the music world to um, uh, you know to, to talk about whatever it is they want to talk about um, okay. And um, you know, I, I myself have had my um, you know my battles with mental health, and, um, and and was recently diagnosed finally with ADHD at the age of forty nine, um, okay. which 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 explains a hell of a lot of my life. <laughs> okay. um, and um, uh, you know, I am not backwards at coming forwards and talking about these things openly. Um, uh, Good yeah. And I mean, we, we released a single back in twenty seventeen called "The Man Who Became Himself." which was basically about me coming out the other side of crippling uh, depression that hit me. And um, I spent, you know, a long time, well, not a long time, I spent 16 weeks in CBT and came out the other side, not only mm-hmm. mentally healthier, but uh, almost, almost a new person, really. Um, yeah. And somebody that was a lot nicer to be around for all of my friends, but also more, nicer to be around my own company. Um, yeah. So, um, I, you know,
5: team.
0: well, thank you very much. Thank you. And I mean, it, it's it's <laughs> yeah, well done. Well, it, look, I, it, ultimately, I think uh, at the moment, uh, my my main hobby horse that I am that I am preaching is um, it, it is basically um, self reflection. It's very easy to, it, it, you know, I, I know from a personal a personal experience that. Um, As human beings, we are apt to look outward for solutions to the problems we have in life. And if you keep doing that, changing job, changing relationship, buying something nice and it's not working, then maybe, you know, you're not looking in the right place. And I know for myself that ultimately I fell into all those traps and it wasn't until I started looking inward and looking for solutions to to my problems um, that lay, you know, within myself that's when the real that's when the real work began but when i really started to see results and and become a much happier person for it so
4: some serious work you've done there and i think you know there's a lot to be said for you know a lot of people do either blame external forces for the way they fail or they as you say they try to um, make themselves happy by buying the best of everything and um, spending a fortune on things when, really, a lot of the the happiness that people can find in their lives is is just by changing the way you think about things yeah. and maybe accepting accepting some of the things that can't be changed. Um, you know, my I, I don't know if you've if you've seen any of the things that we have. Um, posted about Metal for Life, but my son um, took his own life uh, a year and a half ago, um, a year and 18 months ago. Um, and he was our only child, you know, and, and so it's, it has left us completely devastated. Um, and at that point, you know, you have to decide whether you want to live with what's happened um, and accept that there is literally nothing I can do to change that situation and bring him back. Um, you know, so you have to decide whether you want to find a way to live with it, um, with the help of other people, of course, or go along with him. You know, so it it's um, it's powerful, I think, it's inspirational to hear other people's stories like your own, and um, you know, to, to show that people really can make a difference just by the way they change their thoughts.
0: Absolutely, and um, and I didn't realize that, and um, oh, you know, yeah. without. Well, I mean, it's
4: been, I'll explain that. If, you know, whenever you start your recording. Oh, um, don't worry,
0: we're we're well on the way. We've been we've been recording oh, for the last god. ten minutes. So, um, oh god, and I don't, I was like, No, no, not at all, not at all. And don't worry, um, it's usually at this point in all my interviews that someone says something like that, and I say, oh. I have been recording because, despite the fact I've been doing this for years, I still haven't remembered to tell people as soon as this, as soon as the call starts that I'm recording. So I'm I'm the one to blame here. Don't you dare feel yeah. stupid at all. I am the one to blame. Okay.
4: Well, I mean, I'll explain it properly then. So, Metal for Life has been running for uh, just over a year, and as I said, my husband Arfy and I um, had one son called Danny, and he was quite. Big in the metal community here in Northern Ireland. He played in a band called Shrouded, um, and he had a very short period of depression um, up until you know the age of about 22. He was a really laid-back, um, highly intelligent, happy guy, and he just had this massive passion for metal and melodic death metal was was his particular genre. Um, He was incredibly talented and um, a fantastic growler, Uh, best her in the metal industry in Northern Ireland at the time, you know, (laughs) Um, and as I said, unfortunately, he had a a short period of depression and sadly ended in in him taking his own life um, at the age of 23 and, you know, it it completely devastated Afi and I Um, and... You know, the, there's just no words. You know, it took us took us a long, long time to actually find the words for what had happened to us. And you know, we've had our own counselling and our own um, support groups, support mechanisms to help us to deal with that. And we're very, very grateful for that. Um, you know, but it also, Danny's death left a huge mark on the in the metal community in Belfast, in particular. Um, He was a really well-liked guy, very popular guy. And, um, you know, it just devastated the whole community. And I think what we realised then was as people were coming around to support my husband and I, um, we also, of course, became a magnet for um, other people to to explain to us that they had struggled with their mental health as well. Um, And so we realised there was an opportunity to try and make sure other parents like us didn't have to go through the same thing. Um, so we decided to start a mental health uh, support group and it, it became Metal for Life NI just over a year ago. So um, it's something we're very proud of, you know, and probably didn't realise that it would escalate as quickly as it did. Um, but I've been very lucky to have not only my husband, Alfie, but guys like Gareth and Chris, um, and lots of other people as well uh, working in the background to really make it work and I suppose it shows the passion people have for situations like Danny's um, and situations like our own to really try and come together and make a difference to you know, the mental health of our community.
0: Well I mean that's that's a, a, an incredible story um, and you know thank you very much for, for sharing that with myself and everybody listening and uh, I, I'm, I mean not I don't want to I don't want to presume anything but is there is there a feeling of that you're honouring his memory with, with with all of this work that you're doing
4: absolutely Donnie's with me every single day um, I talk about him a lot um, when I was explaining that last night we were at Nettle of the Masses in Belfast um, the final and um, and we were the, the whole place was packed. It was um, in um, a bar called Voodoo in Belfast, which is one of the favourite haunts for the, the metal scene.
0: Yeah, I know, and, I know it well. We it played was, we played there in 2015, I think. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we were there with um, Simon Hall from uh, Bloodstock, who yeah, was joined by Simon the very well. last night. And it's run by James Loveday, who runs the Distortion Project. I'm sure you know him as well. Um, And it was just, there was an amazing feeling um, when we were there because so many people were talking to us about Danny because his band, Shrouded, won the Metal to the Masses final two years ago. Um, You know, so there was an amazing feeling that he was was there with us, lots of people talking about him. Sadness mixed with, with um, you know, just a real feeling of community. Um, and, and that really keeps me going and inspires me as well as, as other people too. So it's just a fantastic feeling. And, um, you know, I think when when there's such a shock of what happened to Danny, I think people do have a tendency to sit up and say, right, we're not going to stand for this anymore. Yeah. Um, and let's, you know, show ourselves in our tree colours and, and start talking a bit more about mental illness. And it is, I was just saying to Gareth earlier, we had so many people come and talk to us last night at our little merch stand um, about their about wanting to, to help support us with Metal for Life, um, wanting to help promote us, um, and even people just coming and asking what we did. And... You know, perhaps thinking about joining us in our support groups. Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 not fascinating. It's it's just incredibly heartwarming to to see um, people coming around us, and I hope it never stops.
0: Well, it's also um, I think it's testament to the fact that this this music that we all love so much is 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 more than music you know you've used the word many times uh, it's a community you know it's a subculture it's it's a way of life and um oh. and i think that you know being able to being able to combine metal and reaching out to people um about mental health is um is a very powerful combination um because you're right you know we we just need to make it um it not just more acceptable because i think I think it, you know, it is becoming more acceptable to to have these conversations. Hence, we're doing this right now. Um, yeah. But I, I think it's it's um, it's making people realise that it's 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 not just acceptable; it is essential. It's cert- certainly if you are, you know, if you if you have struggles of your own. Um, I mean, you know, the what you were saying earlier, or rather, what I was saying earlier about you know constantly looking outwards for ways of you know feeling better such as changing jobs and relationships and buying stuff or as it's classically known certainly you know amongst men it's uh oh look you know it's the old midlife crisis you know oh he's he's left her and mm-hmm. gone off with her and he's bought a sports car and all the rest <laughs> of it and it's like yes he's desperately trying to like himself because he's got issues he hasn't dealt with yeah
6: that's exactly <laughs> right mm-hmm.
0: And and of course, I mean, I'm no way in no way in decrying it. I'm not saying all oh, men's mental health is more important than women's mental health. Not at all. But without a doubt, we we do have um, you know far too many men committing suicide, um, and it's you know it's clearly because they are they are not addressing issues that they should be. Um, yeah. But but you know it's that 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 is that's not something that's unique to men. We all do it um yeah. and um you know anything that can, anything that can make that that can encourage an atmosphere of communication and you know people should be people should be proud my feeling is people should be proud to talk about this stuff you know it
6: um,
0: should be, yeah. you know i mean i'm 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 I, i'm not i'm not i'm not kind of i don't know i'm not i'm not sort of um getting on my soapbox and saying look you know i did it you can too and all that crap because ultimately yeah. that's not what people need to hear um, all you can do is just talk about your own experience and hopefully when people hear that something, you know, a trigger goes in their mind where they go, right, maybe it's about time I did something. I mean, one thing, one example I always use is, is moving from job to job to job and, uh, and, and never feeling, re- re- never really feeling like you fit in and really enjoying the first six months, nine months, but then ending up in the same place. And it's like, if you've, you know, if you've moved to six or seven jobs and, and, it's still the same then you know there's only one thing that connects those six or seven jobs and it's you so <laughs> yourself, yeah. yeah so you, you know you need to get to work on yourself instead of just constantly changing jobs and thinking that it's everybody else
6: no that's right and i think um certainly i mean one of the things that we found um the uh, the buyers is that people don't realize that it does take work to actually you know promote recovery within yourself and change things and to kind of change your outlook on, you know, your own mental health and what you need to do and how, you know, and being yourself actually does take a lot of work. You know, it does. And a lot of people don't know who they are. A lot of people, you know, have sort of spent their, you know, a good part of their lives trying to fit in with other people's expectations or trying to fit in with what, I don't know, society or media or anything else that you know, the things we get bombarded with every day. Um, and they're trying to fit in with that, and, and at no point have they actually stopped and thought themselves, well, who am I? What do I actually want? And you know, what can I do to be to get to where I want to be? You know, and it's it, it's very very difficult, um, especially now when we're, as I said, we're constantly bombarded through social media platforms, the mass media, all that stuff about you know these kind of concepts of what is an ideal life, and you know these kind of. Uh, being perfect or being, you know, um, uh, you know uh, that somehow all this kind of materialistic stuff makes you a better person, when in actual fact it doesn't. And yeah. as Gillian alluded to earlier, a lot of the things that will make you happy, very often they're things that you can do yourself and very often they don't cost any money either.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, as a Yorkshireman, that really appeals. Um... <laughs> well,
4: <laughs> those are well known for having a lot of money, you know. Yeah,
0: um, yeah but, exactly.
4: You know, yeah. I think, it got, well... There's plenty of, even the the musicians that are in, wow. well, any musicians, but musicians in the metal industry um, tend not to make a fortune out of what they do. Yeah. They do it for the passion, for the love of it, they express themselves and so on. Yeah. Um, in Metal for Life, we do, uh, in our support groups, we strongly, uh, we allow people to talk and, and, you know, inspire each other and support each other in a completely confidential environment. But the, the principles that we have as facilitators is to try and encourage people to find things that they love that don't cost a fortune, you know. Yeah. Um, getting out into the forest, getting the, oh, yeah. back, to, back to your roots in the nature and, yeah. um, you know, doing something for someone else that you wouldn't normally do. Um, yeah, yeah. Even have, and communication, I think, is is really important. Um, I... I'm generally quite a shy person um, and having to, I suppose, put myself in an environment where I'm talking to people on a daily basis, um, often about very difficult um, emotions and and subjects. Um, A few years ago, I probably would have shied away from it um, and preferred to be much more um, isolated and introverted. But I have found that um, it's the exact opposite, you know, because you're you are getting support bouncing off other people, and it's it's really um, it's really helpful in, in keeping you moving forward. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and ultimately, it is about you know whoever it is that you need to talk to, find somebody. I mean, funnily enough, about two hours ago, I uh, I was having a conversation with a, a very close friend of mine who, um, who I'm worried about. Um, and I see a couple, I saw a couple of social media posts that I didn't like the look of and, um, and I know they're not going to ring me. So I, you know, so I'm, I'm like, look, you know, dude, I, I can see that things aren't, aren't good here. Um, so, so let's talk about it. And, um, (laughs) you know, it's, it's sometimes, you know, Sometimes people put those posts on Facebook and you just think, oh, you're attention-seeking. But do you know what? Yeah. Instead of posting a comment saying, are you okay, hon?
4: Pick up the fucking phone.
2: Yeah, that's, what, that's yeah. it.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think um, when it comes to severe depression and suicidal thoughts and so on, um, a lot of people have preconceived ideas about the way people behave. Yeah, And the truth is, everybody behaves differently. Because we're yes. all individuals. What a, what a surprise!
0: And yes, exactly.
4: One, one person attention-seeking and and essentially crying out for help. It, to me, that's actually a good thing. But yeah. um, I can understand how people would take it the wrong way. Yeah. Um. The ones the ones that always uh, worry me are the quiet ones. Uh. You know, and Danny would have been very like that. Um. Sort of would have completely isolated himself from the world and um you know that's when it becomes really dangerous because nobody knows yeah what's going on yeah um and i, I think you're absolutely right and what you've done there with your friend today to uh, to um not wait for people to cry to to cry out for help or to seek help sometimes people are too ill to do that Yes. You know, and, well, also okay. that can be that I, can be
0: part of their condition as well. Is that they're, they're is they're yeah. not very good communicators. So then, yeah. they're, they're never going to communicate that that you know what's wrong with them. You have to read between the lines. And I think it's easier if you've if you've been through those situations yourself as well. You know, you you can you can see it you can see it in others. Whether it's you know whether it's online or whether it's you know when you're hanging out together, you can. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it is about sitting somebody down and 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 you know, not being afraid to say, look, are you okay? You know, you you can talk to me. You don't seem very happy. What's the problem? Because, you know, I I think if somebody is really, really in a bad place and you are a friend, you are one of the few people that they will open up to. Um, And, you know, just ask the question.
4: Yeah. And I I think you perhaps have the experience and, and know yourself. I know what it feels like as well to have severe depression um, and some suicidal thoughts as well. Um, a lot of people don't haven't felt like that um, and they, they often don't know how to approach someone who is feeling that way and yeah. um, they, they might be able to see that there's something wrong but they're perhaps afraid of uh, making the situation worse or um, you know not being as helpful as they're just afraid of getting it wrong you know yeah. and supposing years gone by, you know, the word suicide would have been said in hushed tones, and um, you know, not really talked about openly. Um, myself, I wouldn't have liked. I still don't like to say the word because it obviously affects me so greatly nowadays. But yeah. um, you know, I think we the the general thought nowadays is that um, you're not going to hurt anyone by simply asking the question
2: yeah are, you
4: yeah. are you thinking about taking your own life um in the metal for life group um we um did a, a great uh, workshop last year um around the time of um the first anniversary of danny's death with professor siobhan o'neill um in northern ireland um she, she is behavioral sciences um, professor in the ulster university And, you know, she was um, encouraging us to reach out to people who we know might be in danger of taking their own lives and not be afraid to ask them the question. There are some really great initiatives online um, which can actually talk people through how you can um, start that conversation with someone um there's a a website called the zero suicide alliance which is uh uk based and great great um you know information online and videos and um you know sort of scenarios how would you speak to someone um in this situation and it's really just all about in the same way as you would do a first aid course um it's really about Helping people become more confident to broach these difficult situations, um, and the more people that know about it, the better. Right. Because this can happen to anybody. Yeah. You know. Um. Yes, we know there's a big problem in Northern Ireland. We know there's a big problem with guys. Um. But it literally can happen to anyone. Yes. It doesn't yeah. matter what your background is, um, what you've been through, um. You know, for sure, there are some life events and so on that can make the risk higher, but it literally can happen to anyone. And my son was proof of that. You know, and, so,
0: and do you do you encourage do you encourage people to to reach out to you? And clearly, like as you said, there, you know, you're you're keeping an eye, an eye out for people um within your community. Are you also encouraging I presume you're also encouraging relatives and friends of people to call you and say, Look, I'm worried about this person, you know, what do I do? Can you help? And you know, what do you do in a situation like that?
4: Well, we have had people contacting us, um you know, and if we have uh, we're not trained counsellors in the in the Metal for Life Group, um, but we certainly can advise people on who to contact um if they are concerned about people or if they have a concern about themselves um you know obviously if there's a a, a very critical risk to life um the recommendation is that you go straight to A&E yes or take the straight to A&E um obviously you can have your GP involvement and so on um maybe for reassurance that there's not something else um underlying there but we we have um, had great success in putting people in touch with Lifeline, right.
2: um,
4: who you can talk to on the they they'll talk to you on the phone and yeah. they'll keep they'll keep coming back and talking to you again, um, and you know we've had some great success with that that they can set people up with um, counselling sessions and so on. relatively quickly perhaps more quickly than than you would through the nhs um you know and it depends on people's circumstances it depends on the person as to how willing they are to communicate with the the person on the end of the phone or or their doctor or whatever um but one thing i hate to see and unfortunately you see it quite a lot on social media is people saying oh you know GPs are no use to me or um, Lifeline hasn't helped me at all or some is, you know, that they're not listening and those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, you only hear those negative bits. There are thousands of people that they're helping, yeah. you know, to, to change their lives around and to, to help to help start that recovery process. Um, it does have to involve the individual too. And as Gareth said right at the start, there's an awful lot of work um, most of the work has to come in from yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, 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 I absolutely get that, and I, th- I think when you see those people saying, like, you know, oh, they didn't help. I think it, again, if you go in with the wrong attitude, then you are not going to get out of it what you are meant to get out of it. If you go into the Samaritans or Lifetime or any- Lifeline or anything like that, expecting them to fix you, you are going to be sadly disappointed because yeah, you are going to you true. are going to be fixing you. That's the only way yeah. that th- this gets done.
4: Um, you know, there, Chris, um, who, who works with us on the team as well, um, there's a great saying, you know, that you are your own uh, expert. Yeah. You know your whole life history. You yeah. know maybe why you feel the way you do. Yeah. You're also the best person to find ways of making yourself feel better. Absolutely, you know, And just yeah. to expect a counsellor who you've never met before or a GP who you've seen three times in your life to fix it all for you in a 10-minute session, it's not going to happen. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, um, But I suppose what we try to do in Metal for Life is to make people realize that um, before the serious depression sets in, there's a lot you can do to help yourself recover because when it becomes so bad and you're in such a low place, it doesn't matter what anybody says or does, yeah. you know. And I think that early intervention is critical,
2: yes. you know,
4: um, to try and, and help people to um, take small positive steps before things get out of hand is yeah. really critical.
5: Um,
0: yeah, no, I agree, and I also think I also think that um, the not in all cases, but in a lot of cases. Um, if, you know once you do go into counselling once you start that conversation things will wor- do get worse before they get better you know there's a lot there's a lot of pain to go through before you start seeing you know, the benefits of the work that you're doing um awesome. and and i think and i think a lot of people go into counselling with, with you know, uh, really wanting it to work but as soon as they as soon as it starts proving harder than they'd like or it, it, it's made it's upsetting them and making them feel worse then they quit at that point and it's so important that at that point you just bite down on the gum shield as it were and you keep going and you fight through that because that is when you're going to really do the work that it's going to count yeah i
4: think it's often to do with you know taking responsibility for um for things that have happened in your life, um, yeah. many of which may not be by your own doing. I appreciate that, but um, you know, only you, the individual, can take responsibility for the way you feel about that.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and funnily enough, I want to pick up on something you were saying earlier, which was very interesting. When you were saying about recommending people going to to A and E, I'm sure that hmm. I'm, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this thinking accident and emergency going in there going in there and saying oh I feel depressed I feel a bit down oh god no I'd feel like a bit of an idiot or it's not really for that is it but it's you know because everyone's been to A&E and it's because you've fallen off your bike or been knocked over or fallen out of a window or whatever whatever it is um it's turning up at A&E with an injury no one can see um it's weird we all kind of judge it in those terms but it's it's yeah. it's just as life-threatening as you, as if your, one of your bloody arms was hanging off.
6: Yeah, that's right. It definitely is. And I mean, I think, again, it comes back to that old thing about, you know, the confusion between, you know, physical ailments and mental illness, you know, where people believe that because you can, you know, get physical cure for, you know, if your arm's broken or something like that there, that it's the same sort of process for mental health. I mean, a lot of people talk about, you know, the 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 drugs that are prescribed or things like that, like antidepressants and stuff like that. There, for the best way I heard it described that that should be treated was that you know antidepressants are like having a crutch or a plaster of Paris if you broke a leg, but the only difference being is um, the natural healing that would take place in your leg if you broke it while you were in the plaster of Paris. That doesn't work the same way with your mental health. There needs to be another process in place there like counseling, like, you know, um, seeing a psychiatrist or a psychologist and going through that process where you're talking about things that aren't physical, they're emotional, they're things that are, you know, thoughts, feelings, you know, all the stuff that's going on in your head that has got you to that point. And while antidepressants can help control that and can help, you know, balance you and things like that, there has to be a point where that comes to an end as well. But I think whenever, you know, a lot of the time we would hear about people go to, you know, their GP and they're just prescribed antidepressants. And they think that's all they have to do is just yeah. take those and they're going to be better. But it's not, it, it just doesn't work like that from what we can see anyway. And it, it, there, there needs to be this kind of, uh, people need, to, I think, maybe need to embrace more the things like counselling, like support groups, like, you know, just talking and and and. Getting the feelings out because you can't simply deal with those by taking a tablet. I feel anyway, um, uh, yeah. and I think that's seems to keep coming across. That's
0: the that's the exact conversation that I had with my friend uh, two hours ago. Oh, right. <laughs> my
2: goodness, that, that is yeah.
0: exactly it. We, well, ultimately, ultimately, it is. To use the broken, to use the broken leg analogy, if we're going to go with that, it, yeah. it, it's like, it's like putting an elastoplast on a broken leg, you know, it, it, you you're yeah. just, you're not really dealing with the underlying cause and you are, yeah. you know, you're, deep. well, you're dealing with the, you're dealing with the, um, uh, the symptoms, not the cause and it, and, yeah. Yeah. and all yeah. you can ever do. Yeah. You've got to get to that. You've got to get to the cause. You've got to get to, um, and face those, those, horrendous problems that sometimes people even don't even know they have you know I, i've spoken with people who've been in counseling sort of four or five weeks and they're like do you know what there's a, a, you know i never realized this or you know when i was you know 12 years old this happened and i never realized that and or you know or or somebody who's you know who's who's lost a friend uh, uh, who's lost a sibling who's lost a member of the family and they don't realize that that they never process the grief properly, and and that's what's that's coming true, back yeah. to haunt them. It's it, it's just there's there's so much that goes on in our heads that um, mm-hmm. we have our we you know we as you said earlier you're you're your own best um, expert, but you're also your own worst enemy.
6: <laughs> that's true too. Yeah, it definitely
4: yeah. is. I think that shows the power of communication as well, whether it's yeah. coming from professional support or whether it's coming from something like a metal for life peer support group where you're talking to just other people about their own experiences. Um, As far as I'm concerned, any communication you can have with other people will add another um, level into the way you think about things and maybe, maybe help you think about things in a different way or remind you of something that happened in your life a long time ago. Um, you know, and it can all help in building your own character and your own resilience to what's happened in your life. Um, you know, we have some amazing people come to our support group that have been through, frankly, some of the most horrific experiences in their lives. And they're still standing strong. And not only that, they're thriving. And, and they're determined to um, get their story across, just like you are, um, you know, to help
0: other people and to realize that um you can recover from these things yes absolutely i I think i think not just not just recover but actually for me you know um you know i I, after coming out the other side of 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 all the work i did i i it was you know it's the happiest happiest i could ever remember being it's not just sort of, you know, for me, it wasn't just a place of recovering. It was actually ending up in a better place than I could ever remember being in before. Yeah, absolutely,
4: that's true. Yeah, that's, it's an incredible story. yeah.
0: You know? it is, and you know, if you can, if you can do all the hard stuff, you know, I mean, I, I remember, I remember halfway through counselling, thinking, do you know, what I've, I've been, I've, I've invented my own um, uh, kind of superhero i've invented this um uh this this character that that i'm playing for for the world you know that, um that just that just isn't true it's not real it's um yeah. and you know and, and the minute the minute i admitted that um i uh I felt so much better and felt like i'd I, and felt yeah. like I'd taken all the all the power that building that creating this image that I wanted everybody else to see and it becomes massively tiring and that's why you end up plummeting yeah. um yeah. I was well, like well like, you know it, it was I like I said you know I'd, I'd just uh, um I'd created this alter ego that um was just wearing me out and to and to and to get rid of it and just be me was just so rewarding.
4: Yeah, I think sometimes, well, not sometimes, very often, uh, we do tend to label ourselves, you know, um, I'm a metaler, so therefore I have to act like the tough guy all the time and, um, you know, uh, go out partying all the time or whatever. And um, it, you're absolutely right. It becomes so exhausting because you're, you're trying to live up to this label that you've put on yourself. Um, you know, And, and I think, um, I suppose, part of uh, changing your attitude towards yourself is just saying, look, I don't have to be like this all the time. I don't have to do what they all say or, yeah. you know, as, as Gareth was talking about earlier, this uh, notion of what the way we should be in society, it's rammed down our throats every day. Um, As meddlers, I suppose we try to steer away from what we should be normally expected to do Um, and I would like to just, um, you know, continue on with that and say let's not be afraid to um, stand up for mental health as well Um, and, you know, basically just everybody is different and everybody has to do what they need to do to feel good about themselves. Yeah. And they don't have to stereotype themselves and fit themselves into boxes where they don't fit and things. Um, you know, it, it's the same with, with metal music um, in itself. There's so many different kinds of metal. We had this conversation right at the very start <laughs> when Metal for Life was conceived. You know, what exactly is metal? Who's allowed to be in our clubs? This kind of thing. And <laughs> yeah. the truth is, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. um, the metal that I like is completely different from the metal that Gareth likes. And, uh, you know, you'd asked us a question earlier on about Slipknot. I have never heard Slipknot in my life. But I'm not... I have. I've heard of it. I've heard of them. I'm not that bad. Like, um, right. You know, I, I, I'm not... That's not the music that I sort of gravitate towards. But, you know, the thing is, we're all different. You know, let's not try and, and put ourselves into boxes that, you know, I'm not metal enough for <laughs> or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, I think we all have to find our own passions and and stick with them and not be afraid to say what we what we like and what we don't like. You know. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, sorry, I can't help you with the slip not review. <laughs> so well,
0: no no pressure, Gareth. I'm that's sure gonna that's wonderful. gonna be all you. That's gonna be all you. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, I tell you what. Do you know what I think? Um, that's, that's, that's a really, uh, that's a really cool place to leave it and move on to have that conversation. But what I'd like to do is just, is just sort of kind of tie up the the end of this and say, um, you know, I know you've kind of dropped a few names in there. Um, for people listening to this um, and thinking, do you know what, I really do, I, I nearly, t- I, sh- I should make a call, I should do something. What are the various, what, you know, what are the various um, outlets that you'd recommend?
4: Okay, well, um, obviously, if people would like to get in touch with us, um, we're called Metal for Life NI. Um, We're a unique support mechanism for um, the mental health of metalheads, um, specifically in Northern Ireland. Who knows where that will go in the future? Um, It's a unique concept here. Um, So you can find us on Facebook um, simply under the name Metal for Life NI. There's a, a page um, and there's also a private group which has about 730 people in it at the moment. Um, and there we, we try and um, encourage people to communicate. We, we try and, um, you know, post articles and videos and, and links to things which are going to be beneficial specifically to the rock and metal community. Um, but it, it is of value to anybody who um, who wants to View that. Um, we have a website, uh, metalforlifeni.co.uk, um, and you know all of our details, ways to contact us, um, you know individually as well, are on those those sites. Um, and I suppose we would just, you know, we, we talked about this earlier on. If, if anybody um, is worried about themselves or anybody else, and it doesn't matter. Uh, whether it's critically, uh, you know, there's a critical worry there or whether there's just a slight, I'm not too sure um, what I'm feeling or um, I'm not too sure about the way my partner's behaving uh, this month or whatever. Um, You know, you have to start somewhere. And um, it's better to get that, to reassure yourself by having a conversation with someone who can help sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, there are obviously some fantastically great um, organisations um, I think part of the problem that I certainly had in the early days was there's so many great organisations you don't really know where to start yeah. um, I would just you know obviously if you're a metal fan, rock fan, punk fan, come and, come and talk to us on Metal for Life and we'll whatever the, the issue seems to be we'll try and direct you towards um a a group that is helpful for you um there are obviously some of the big organizations like lifeline and samaritans have been doing this for decades and they know exactly what they're doing and they have huge amount of support and resources to help people on a daily basis
2: yeah
4: um they do, they do offer the you know 24/7 sort of services text text services are quite popular now with young people um because you know a lot of young ones would would rather text someone than than actually speaking on the phone. Yeah, um, and that's that's okay too. Sometimes it helps you to um, rationalise your thoughts a wee bit when you're taking the time to type something rather than speaking. Yeah. Um. So th- there's lots and lots of great organisations. Um. As I say, we, we've got some good ones here locally in Northern Ireland as well. Um. You know, Action Mental Health and uh, organisations like that um, there's a, a great new one I think based in Liverpool as well at the minute called Chasing the Stigma um, and they have a, a text service as well um, for people who are in crisis or who just need to have a chat about something um, and they can direct you to organisations in your own area as well which but- I think is important um but you you know even i think the nhs gets a bad rap um absolutely absolutely read if you actually go onto their website the nhs direct site, and all the public health agency brochures they are really really very good if you just give them a chance
0: yeah Um, absolutely absolutely well look we you know we've mentioned and i think two key resources that people may not realize they that they have because we all have them is your gp And the NHS. And I mean, not to make this all about me again, but I I can hold my hand up and say had various amounts of private counselling over the years, um, then got made redundant, couldn't afford it. So got referred by the the NHS. My my GP said, well, they're not very good, but we'll give it a go anyway. And um, I was assessed and given CBT instead of Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, which was a different kind of um, help than I than I'd been paying for. And that yeah. changed my life 16 weeks, sixteen weeks of CBT absolutely changed my life, and it wouldn't have yeah. happened without the without the NHS without my my GP yeah. getting involved. you know
4: absolutely. I had a similar experience myself, you know, and, and it is very good um I think part of the problem with the NHS is is perhaps the waiting list
2: yes um, yeah. you
4: know and I think there's a lot. That, that's a completely different conversation on its own. Um, yeah. You know, but there are a lot of uh, resources online nowadays that wouldn't have been available 20 years ago, um, you know, if, if, that are there for people if they want to. But, you know, actually talking, there's there's nothing like talking to someone, yes. especially someone who's been through an experience yeah, that's absolutely. similar. Um, with Metal for Life in particular, obviously, um, you know, looking like a metal or being a metal or, uh, has certain stigmas associated with it and um, perhaps with the rest of society and um, the same with, with, with punks and, and so on. And um, what we try to do is to break down that stigma that's there already about what we look like and the music we listen to. We know for a fact that metal is actually really good for you, for your mental health. Yeah. Um, and, and we like to, thrive on that you know and um, I think having a a group like this um, where you can bring people together without worrying (laughs) uh, what people are going to think of you is incredibly valuable and it's something that we would recommend to other um, subcultures as well you know if if you can uh, try and think about bringing together like minded people um, to talk openly about these things it's incredibly valuable
0: yeah Absolutely, mm-hmm. well. Look, thank you very much. I, I, I can't thank you enough for for coming on here and 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 sharing. You know, your um your own painful, you know, unique and painful story, but also how mm-hmm. the positive it's effects it's had, and the that you know the people that you that you're helping now a Facebook, you know, private Facebook group of over seven hundred people who are all you know there for a reason that is that's an incredible achievement and and hopefully who knows one day we'll have we'll have um uh heavy metal uh mental health chapters in you know on the uk mainland in every major city and you know all across all across the world and this who can knows. this who can knows. just be the start of this can be the start of a, of a of a foundation um uh, uh, well
4: i think these you know um, often, these voluntary groups um there are so many of them, but they usually come for a reason, you know, and that reason is usually uh, some sort of major life crisis um uh, unfortunately, that's the way it is. but with that also comes incredible passion and dedication yeah. to what we're doing and um you know I would just there's so many groups available, and uh, you know for me, it doesn't matter. Um, which group you decide to uh, affiliate <laughs> yourself with? Yes. The main yes. thing is that you're getting the help that you need and the support that you need, and you're getting it in, um, you know, confidence and in a, uh, confidentiality and in a safe place where you can um, express yourself. And we all love doing that in the metal community. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's a good place to start, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, Gillian, I, I can't thank you enough. Um, uh, yep, yeah, Hold on there. Don't hang up. But um, for now, um, thank you. Thank you both, Gillian and Gareth, for coming on and, um, and, and, and sharing Thanks this much. with us all. Thank you.
6: Thanks a
0: lot. So, um, full disclosure, um, I wasn't aware that Gillian, um, had lost her son to suicide. Um, that did come as quite a shock during the course of that interview. Um, and just, you know, incredible work they're doing. Support them in any way you can. Um, and certainly if you've got your fr- any friends over, uh, over that way, do let them know what a wonderful resource that they have to hand. Um, so moving on, we're getting through these quite quickly now. It's now time for... Me, friend, Ol from Evil. Yes, we haven't uh, played any gigs together. We haven't toured together, but we have talked quite a lot together, old me and Ol. And we've talked about mental health quite a lot. And um, unfortunately, originally the original interview for this special um, uh, went down with my old laptop. But um, so it gave us a chance to meet up and have a chat again. And here it is. <laughs> So um, so here we are again, um, uh, the, the first time we did this interview, we had, a, we had a great, deep, meaningful chat, we solved many of the world's problems, um, but um, shut up, don't laugh, you'll give it away. Um,
7: I was laughing at something else, sorry.
0: <laughs> oh right, okay, right, let's start again. So the first time we did this interview, uh, basically, um, uh, it was great, and we did solve some of the world's problems, most of them, mm-hmm. um, don't like to boast. But uh, unfortunately, that went the way of my last laptop, um, and, and as I just told you before I started recording, um, it, was the, it was the only file that wasn't backed up on the whole computer. <laughs> now, I just, want, I just want to say after that, right, nothing personal, okay?
7: I think it was on purpose, and you thought, oh dear...
0: Actually, actually, do you know what? That's 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 quite interesting and says something about you as a person because what I would think was, oh, he did that on purpose because he wants to talk to me again. <laughs> but that's because I'm a narcissist. So, uh, you know, it's yeah. alright. <laughs>
7: this is the 15th time we've had this
0: conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. How many laptops are you going to go through? <laughs> um, so, um, uh, so anyway we yeah so anyway mental health um straight straight in whilst still laughing um yeah, i mean uh, first time round we spoke about um well, we spoke about mental health and um and i i remember you making um i remember make you making a really good point saying that you think that it's um, it's maybe more um prevalent in the creative world because um artists find it very difficult to switch off mentally.
7: Yeah, um, I, I, I can only speak from my own experience, but I know that over the years when I started writing music and really getting into music and, you know, I get to the point where I can, I can't really listen to music anymore without analyzing it. So if I hear a riff, I'll be figuring it out on the guitar in my head. So I'm constantly switched on musically. So if I'm writing a new album like we are at the moment, it's constantly in my head and I'm thinking, what's that one bit need? like, what What can I put there, or what would sound better, and I can't stop, it's always on, and I think, over time, I started to develop that in normal life, things like, I'll worry about something, and I will constantly worry about it, I will think of different ways to worry about it, and think subconsciously, how can I worry about this more, and like, oh, oh why am I worrying about this now, and I think I've adapted that from a creative point of view of just not being able to switch my brain off, and I think a lot of musicians have that, and yeah. they can't help it in a way because their brain is so active in in the creative process of music
0: I think you're right, I think you're absolutely right um it, it's and it's that i i guess it's the it's that a slightly analytical, you know, analytical mind that comes along with creativity, which is where you are kind of analytically, creatively breaking things down all the time, thinking, well, how can I make that better or how can I what can we do there because that's not working and it's it's that that kind of it can permeate into the rest of your life. Yeah,
7: definitely it's it's a uh, it's a constant thing. I mean, with with the album at the moment, if I when I wake up one of the first things I think is, oh yeah, that new song. Well, what can I do with that? And if, if at the moment I'm not on it, I, my brain is not on song mode. It 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 feels like it needs to put that energy somewhere else. So I've, I've got a lot better. I've, my, with my um, you know, I'm not as bad as I used to be. I used to be on um, some medications and things like that, but I eventually I eventually just came off them. When completely cold turkey, and just dived into music, and I, I think I've just found my kind of my balance. Yeah, you know, I think everyone has up, ups and down, up and down days, but um, I'm not as bad as I used to
0: be. Yeah, well, hmm. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's about finding balance, and everybody's balance is different. You know, and, yeah. and, and if you and you know, there, there's no sort of roadmap, as it were. You, you just have to. You know, you just have to find it, whatever it is. And for some people, it's it's remaining on medication. For some people, it's counselling without medication. For some people, it's both. Whatever it is, whatever, you know, whatever keeps you on the straight and narrow, whatever, you know, keeps your, your boat afloat, that's the main thing.
7: Yeah, I, I think, I think especially for men, it's, um, it's harder to talk about. And I think a big problem is, like, one thing I don't like seeing is when people say, talk to someone, you know, and I, I think that's the wrong approach. I think people should be being told to listen because a lot of people want to talk to people, but they don't have anyone that wants to listen to them. They don't have an outlet to speak to anyone. So if you feel like that, they feel quite trapped. Yeah. And they have no one to speak. So I, I'm quite lucky I've got people I can talk to about it. And if, if someone has just that one person who's willing to speak to them, well, listen, I think it can really help. So I think you should stop telling people to talk you should can't them
0: to listen. Really. That's um that's a really good point. I I've, I've never I've never thought of it like that before, but I I do understand where you're going, where, where you're coming from. Um and I think, you know, ultimately however it is, people need to get the help they need. And um um and like you said, if if people are uh, if people are willing to listen um when people say that they need help, um then yeah we can we can move things forward hopefully i you you said something that I was interested in about you know how your first thought in the morning being like you know um how can I improve that song and etc <laughs> um so when you weren't in e and there was a period of then I don't know. I don't know what you did, but there was nothing. Basically, I, I think. What, I know where this is going. What, you, you do, don't you? You do, don't you? Don't was the solo? Was the solo album uh, a, a, a? You know, your for your mental health as much as anything else. <laughs>
7: um, not, not strictly. No, like, what happened was when when Eval finished, um, I emailed the label just saying, you know, thanks for everything, and it was great, and that was it really. And, but they emailed my back saying, oh, we'd, we'd like to continue working with you and release a solo album. So I kind of didn't have a break in music. So I thought, like, oh, brilliant. Yeah, I can do my kind of Steve Vai kind of whittly album. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. And then
7: I, I did I did that. And, you know, it was great and came out and blah, blah, blah. But then after that, I had nothing musically to do. Right. Because, you know, we just did one, I think, because people don't really buy shred stuff. It's not the 80s anymore. Did
0: you do any dates? And,
7: uh, yeah, well, I did um, Bloodstock. All right. ten Um and then we played the parish in Huddersfield as like a warm up for that. Yeah. But than that, I, I didn't really do it because you know, it's a lot of effort to get a band together and learn all the songs and I've written them really stupidly, and um, you know, it just it just didn't work out. But after that, when there was no gigs and there was wasn't the second solo album coming up, I thought, you know, I, I started writing some second album stuff for if anyone else wanted to release it, but I just got a bit stuck on where to go and that's where I started thinking well, what, what do I do now like I've, I've got no music to write I was I was doing some film music for a few like independent projects but I always need that musical outlet so when that wasn't 100% there I noticed that my my mind started wandering back into normal life worries and right no it's, yeah, I kind of need music as my outlet. I think that everyone needs to find their um It's your drug it be anything, it's, your, it's your drug, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, basically. I, I don't feel right unless I'm writing some music.
0: Yeah, unless you, you hang on, you don't feel right unless you're mainlining metal. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no,
7: no. I, I didn't have my bullet belt on, sorry. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I should I should I should do all of your I should do all of your PR from now on. Yeah
7: yeah Insert uh, the word metal <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah excellent uh, it, needlessly in as many sentences as possible um, yeah. but um yeah that, that's really interesting because I think you're right I think it's it, it, it's it's your it's how you keep that over active part of your brain engaged is is with music and it's and it and if when it's not engaged with music it's it's off the leash and it can just fucking mm. storm around and ruin everything.
7: But I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it exclusive I don't exclusively do it to stop having yeah. issues. I, oh, I no, do it because no. I I need yeah. to do that, and that's my yeah. thing that I know
0: Yeah. No. I, I need. I, yeah. Yeah. No. I get yeah. you. I get you. Because yeah, it's it's not. It's not just fucking medicine. It's it's uh, it's it's also really enjoyable. Um, yeah, that's
7: that's why I do it because I love doing it, and it just yeah. happens to have bonuses of, you know, being healthy for me mentally. Yes.
0: Yeah. 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 No, I absolutely get that. I, I really do. And um, well, funnily enough, uh, you know, one, one of the one of the bits, well, two bits that spring to mind now about um, uh, you know trying to get people who are with depression, um, just things they can do themselves, is exercise, um, which you know yeah. promotes all sorts of endorphins, but also yeah. uh, walking in the countryside, which, yeah. and I can attest to both being incredibly useful.
7: Yeah, I um, I just had someone on Twitter, I think yesterday, that they were they were feeling down. Or I can't remember, but they got out, gone out in nature, and that is probably one of the best remedies for it. Just to be out with, you know, I know it does sound like hippie bullshit, but be out with the trees in the forest. It's just, it's just great. You can't beat it. And
2: yeah, yeah. No.
7: Exercise definitely. I mean, I've been because I've always weighed like not a lot. I've been quite tall. So it's been hard for me to put weight on, but over the past few years, since I, since I hit my 30s, I noticed I was putting weight on. So I've been trying to bulk up, and I've actually been doing weights and going to the gym and stuff, and I've noticed every time I exercise and do weights, I feel so much better. And yeah. people can benefit so much from just doing some exercise. And it might not happen instantly. It might be a few weeks before you and feel the benefit because you might just hate it, but it, it really does help.
0: Um. I yeah. And it, it's it, like I said. It just is. There's a relief of endorphins. that a release rather than a relief of endorphins. Mm-hmm. That that basically, you know, chemically make you feel good. You know, that's yeah. what you. That's what you get out of it. It's it's your body releasing chemicals to your brain that go. Oh, we like
7: this. This is great. I think it's because we're designed to be active. You know, we we live in a sit down on the couch kind of world now. We weren't designed to do that. We, we were designed to be out. Foraging, getting wood, whatever—we're yeah. supposed to be active people. We're not supposed to be sat down wallowing because that's what makes you feel down in a way. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's it's, it's it, it. well, absolutely. I mean, you know, sloth—you know, just sitting around in fuck all. I, I mean, I don't know whose goal that is in life, anyway. Um, hmm. But yeah, it's no—it's no good for anybody. Um, also, socialising, get out. You know, keep keep throwing yourself out there as much as you might not feel like it if you keep saying no people will stop asking that's when, yeah. and you know you can start losing friends and you start losing friends and your world becomes very small
7: i think i think a lot of people's problem is the, the lack of confidence to socialize but I, I found sometimes you know just just pretend just pretend to be confident and you'll come across confident and you'll think oh I'm
0: confident now. Okay. <laughs> well, well, I don't, I, I, I don't mean, I don't mean to uh, uh, pry, and and t- feel free to tell me uh, to not answer this question, um, but I, I haven't, uh, and I'm, I'm interested. It's a subject I'm interested in. Have you ever um, suffered from social anxiety?
7: Um, I don't know if I have specifically, but you know, sometimes I'll feel like you know I don't want to be around people, or I feel uncomfortable around people, but. Um, I, I I just force myself, you know. I mean, a lot of the things like playing in a band and playing, you know, traveling around. Sometimes you, you just feel like, oh, I really don't want to see someone. Like, I just I just want to sit backstage and just wind down. But it, I think you kind of get you get stuck in that, and I I don't like doing that. So I always try and make an effort to even go out if I don't want to, you know, because it's it's better to do that than just not be there.
0: Yeah, but is that, is that, I, I also think that's, but that's interesting because you're putting, you're putting other be other people's needs above your own.
7: Yeah. Um, well, yeah. If uh, people, like, when we play, people like when we come out after and say hi and stuff uh, before we leave. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't want to, even if I'm not in the mood, I just don't want to be the kind of band who, they're like, oh, just didn't even come out and say hi, they just called to,
0: Bus and just left, uh, dude. Like, I, I always yeah. want to make that
7: effort, even
6: if
0: I feel like I want to die. <laughs> I know, it, I know exactly what you mean. You never want, you never want to be that band that that didn't come out, that that, that drove off, that walked past and yeah. didn't say anything or weren't very that, friendly because somebody was in a bad even, mood.
7: That's not even from an angle like, oh, I don't want, I don't want think, people to think bad of us. It. It's because I want people to, you know, have a good time and. And you know I oh, came out "Hi, right, brilliant yes, that's not for
0: that's yeah. not for our image, I just I yeah. just mean it's great for them because they have a great time no i and i yeah I totally agree, I totally agree, um, but also, I think when you're a fan of music, which we all are, you know people in bands are all fans, it's just that some fans aren't in bands, they're just fans, <laughs> You know. yeah, um yeah, so you know we know what it's like. When you go to a, you go to a gig and you know it's just a it's a a gig, but the difference it can make by suddenly meeting a band member of a band that you really enjoy because you've bought a ticket to see them, um, you know that's yeah it makes your night.
7: Yeah, I, mean, I remember when I was my first ever gig I went to was Cannibal Corpse with Creator and Chrisian uh, Bradford Rios. I was um, I can't remember how old I was maybe fifteen or something, and. um I remember at the merch stand, um, Corpse Grinder was sat behind the merch, and I, I went up and just got a shirt. I was really starstruck and didn't know what to do, but he was really nice to me, and that stuck with me to now, yeah. 20-some years later. And if, he, if he'd if he have been a, a dick or, you know, if he wasn't there, I wouldn't remember, but the fact he was there just to say hi and be cool, it's always stuck with me that, you know, Corpse Grinder's a really cool guy, and he is. It turns out he's a really nice guy, but...
0: I was going to say, have you have you met him since and told him that story?
7: No, I, I haven't actually, but um, you know I've just seen him. He's a he's a yeah. really down to earth, nice guy. So I, I've met um, Pat O'Brien, who's I think he's not well at the moment, but um, he was at Bloodstock, and I'd just got a new BC Rich, which is was his signature, and I said, oh, I just just want to say I got got your guitar and it's really nice, and you know thanks, and he went, oh, it's all right. So then I left, and I walked off into a, a record store to look at some CDs, and he followed me back, and he gave me a few of his guitar picks. And this was only like a few years ago, and I thought, wow, that's so cool that he, he thought actually, you know, I've got these in the pocket. Yeah, and even them it's,
0: it's great. Oh, that is really nice. That is really yeah. nice. Well, it is. It's the and it's the um, the those kind of moments that um that that mean a lot as well when. If you're going through harder times, I mean, you know, I'm I'm sure you've had experience where, you know, people have said to you that what music's done for them or, you know, songs of yours that have gotten through hard times. And I think that's another aspect of of um, musicians, you know, songwriters, you know, you are you are sharing a part of you as well that can make well can make you a little bit more prone to um, uh, to things like depression.
7: Definitely. Um, I've I've had a few people say that to me, and it's not been recent, but at the time when they've said it, I've not known how to process it other than, wow, it's amazing. Like, thank you. But at the time, it was a bit, I don't know how to handle it, but now I'm so appreciative of it. And for me, when I was in my, I think it was like early 20s, um, a band really got me through, um, you know, some rough times. And it was—it's completely not the band you would expect at all. But um, I don't even know if I should say.
0: It, but. <laughs> Please don't say Kiss.
7: No, no. Um it's actually Rhapsody, a power metal band yeah. in Italy.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I can—I can picture the logo. I can't—I can't hear any music.
7: But I, I can, but I know the logo. I completely yeah. just—I heard them on Total Rock one time, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" It's like operatic, like shreddy kind of metal and i was like, what the hell is this so i found out and i just got obsessed then like i I just fell in love with it I, I even went down to london for a signing of there was rhapsody and christopher lee in dracula christopher lee yeah. doing a signing of one of their albums and you know they got me through so much and i i love rhapsody to this day and i just wish but there's like two rhapsodies now i would just wish they got go back together and be be cool but you know
0: Wow. Well, no, I, I, well um, that you've introduced me to uh, to Rhapsody, I feel like I'm going to have to listen to some now.
7: Honestly, um, if, if you like classical and metal and ridiculous vocals, yeah, you, you will love it. If you just listen to them from the first album, Legendary Tales, it's just.
0: To be honest, from your from your description just there, I think I might not give it a listen. <laughs> <laughs> I fully understand but you know I, I love them hey like as I said earlier you like what you like um, yeah. so um, so you're you're fit and um, you're, you're you're fit and fine these days
7: yeah I'm yeah, yeah I'm, I'm doing a lot better now I mean like I've got a she's almost two year old daughter now with my missus Natalie um, yeah it's, life is completely different now it's um, got a lot Got a lot, a lot, less time to dwell on things. <laughs> so, yeah, do, doing good now.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I know what you mean. A lot of my, um, um, a lot of my friends with with kids say exactly the same. And uh, and then all the stand up comedians do material on what it's like to have kids and all the rest of it. Um, um, having becoming a father has that has that made you sort of spend less time in your own head as well.
7: Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, I, I, w- I wouldn't attribute it to making me better in my mental health, but no, um, she, she's amazing. I mean, it's, it's just I'm a completely different person now because of it. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy who says, like, oh, until you have kids, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it, it, is, it's just, it completely changes you. I mean, I remember one film we watched. I think it's a film called We Have to Talk About Kevin.
2: Oh, God. She, have you seen it oh
0: yes yeah and yeah. um yeah, yeah. it's uh Andrea Riseborough um movie she's a Scottish yeah. director yeah. yeah yeah oh that reminds me I'm I've just remembered I, I know there was two files that got deleted there was your one for the uh the movie podcast as well oh no we haven't done that uh, yet have we no no we haven't no right that. okay sorry so well, there you go I just made up a file that was deleted and now it's not it doesn't <laughs> didn't even exist I know the movie I yeah. saw that
7: film years before before having kids and my initial thought of the whole film was like, about the moment, was like, oh my God, that poor woman. But then I watched it after having kids, and my focus was, oh my God, that poor kid.
2: <laughs> you,
7: you completely change your your focus and outlook about things. I mean, yeah, she, she was maybe not very nice, but kids need that nurturing, and they, they're brand new to the world. It's just you completely... Change your outlook about everything. So I'm just a, a, a different person now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and it, it, that's completely understandable because I, I I guess it's not just like your priorities change, but even stuff that stuff that you you know you like in life, you changes, and some you just don't have time yeah. for at all.
7: Yeah, and that's well, music is one of them, but that's the only thing that I'm making the most time for because I I want to and need to because you know even now people are like when's the next album out when's the next album out and we're just working our asses off to get it done but whenever I have free time it's music it's nothing else
0: yeah well I mean ultimately priorities <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. M- music just takes a backseat to everything but um, yeah I know I, it, you know the usual comments uh, oh you know it's, yeah. how long does it take to write an album it's like well I don't know you tell me how many have you written
7: um, yeah. Exactly. It's just... On the last album we we had a song called Tomb and that took me six months to write. So it's, it takes as long as it does until you're happy with uh, well, until you're happy with it and then until the whole band's happy with it.
0: Yeah, so and then it, you've it's and, not
7: an easy process.
0: Well and after you've um after you've um rewritten it and then rearranged it and then all of the yeah. all of the little bits and pieces and then people bring their bits and that changes certain parts and you know it's yeah I mean and then you finally get it finished and you release it and it's not yours anymore yeah
7: <laughs> yeah well, I thought you meant label wise <laughs> you mean, you mean fan wise it doesn't belong to us anymore
2: yeah uh, well, <laughs> well
0: uh, <laughs> for some people both Um and um, yeah. I, yeah, I will be some of those people soon. But um, yeah, it, it's um, it's kind of weird, isn't it? As well that you just kind of you you let it all out there, and um, you
7: know, it's quite it's quite a, a, a hard thing putting it out there. I mean, even even mentally, back onto mental health.
2: Like, yeah,
7: are people going to like it? I mean, it's not the main focus because I look at it like if you enjoy it, it's going to be okay because you enjoy it you're not writing it to be different or anything you're writing it to the point where you enjoy it so other people will enjoy it that's the main goal and you just think maybe maybe i don't know what it is anymore <laughs> maybe it's wrong i don't
0: know <laughs> no i think um i i think you're right and i th- i mean i i know i know one of uh I, I i know one of the band is um is is very sort of um uh well just not, not not I wouldn't say worried but very mindful of how it's going to be received um yeah. because you know it's 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 acid rain and it's it's a completely new version it's the next album and you know yeah. and uh, and if you liked the, the previous albums it's also a bit of a head fuck and you don't want to be the, you don't want to be responsible for being part of the lineup that ruins the uh, ru- ruins <laughs> the the legacy um um, difficult
7: though. You've though. Al- you've also got the catch twenty two of you either stay sounding like you're supposed to sound or try something new, but then people do like you trying something new, so trying finding that middle ground as well without pandering to people who want certain things is re- it's really difficult.
0: Well, uh, what what I've what I've said is I think I think our album is old school with a um new school leaning. Or it's new school with an old school leaning, or it's both. Yeah. So well, but...
7: <laughs> I'm covering all bases. Yeah, it's, it's the best album yet. That's the best line.
0: <laughs> uh, well, it's well, yeah, it's the only, it's, it's the only one we're fucking touring now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I would like. The, the, what I'm dealing with at the moment uh, I'm, I've got the artwork through and, and I'm going through that and I am um, today I was going through lyrics and I had to send amendments and now Pete is uh, Pete is proofreading it Pete our bass player and, and, yeah proofreading I um, sure. tell you what mate <laughs> if you've never proofread then you, you want to look into it um, i have a quick one, yeah,
7: I'll have a quick proofread
0: <laughs> yeah do you do that um but um yeah it's um, it, it's a busy time and things are just buzzing around in my head all the time you know and it, I mean I kept yeah. the, I kept the thanks list um, uh, on my oh, computer God, I've not done that yet. I kept it on my on my computer don't worry it was backed up and um, and I just I just kept adding to it and I just didn't want to send it away until the last minute until you know the artist was going, look I really need the thanks list because I just wanted to give it as yeah. long as possible Um and I'll I'm, and I'm still have forgotten people, so fuck me. I,
7: I'm a bit stuck for that this time, because what I'd usually do is, as soon as an album's finished, and we do the touring and everything, i make a note of everyone I should thank, because they've done something or they've helped us out. Yeah. But this time, it's been like I left the band, it's been uh, six years since the last album. I can't remember much on the best days, so this next thanks will just be um, the fans. <laughs> I can't remember anything. Well,
0: I, you but, know, I, I, I mean, I can think of somebody else who might get on the list. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, just, you know, but I can think of at least somebody else. Just, just saying. You know, no, no, no. You know, just, uh, you know, your old mate Howard. You know.
7: Yeah. It's... Yeah. Maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's that's the first tank, and that's my one tank I can remember.
0: All right nice one, well look, um, I don't want to keep you I know you've got um, a, a busy evening but look, thank you very much for coming on and opening up and talking about all this stuff um, it's very cool and I know um, I know you'll be liking and retweeting and sharing wherever you can um, when it comes out and um, I'll give you plenty of notes when it's coming out but um, yeah, thanks a lot man, really appreciate it no, thanks for
7: having
0: me always a pleasure, never a chore take care mate you
7: too, thanks very much Charles.
0: And there you go. That was uh, Ol and I having another catch up to replace the one that uh, unfortunately was deleted. So um, that's two uh, musicians kind of um, view on uh, just mental health in general. Obviously, there's a lot of talk of depression in here, um, which is what a lot of people just assume is the only thing uh, that can affect your mental health. No, uh, absolutely. You know. You, you you can get all sorts, oh yes, there's, there's there's anxiety um there is um insomnia, there's all sorts of ins to look forward to um uh not just depression um I jest, of course um but um yeah it's it, it's always interesting to get um uh, musicians' perspective on it well it's it's different it's interesting to get anyone's perspective on things like this um and again you know, you're obviously seeing a theme that is emerging, which is talking about stuff. And even if it's not talking about it, it's, it's you know, going to a doctor and saying, look, you know, this is wrong. Can I get some help, please? Whether that is counselling, whether that is medication, whether that is medication and counselling. But, you know, uh, something's got to give, something has to help. And also during the course of listening to this, if at any point you feel that, you know, that a friend of yours is, is in need or anything like that, you know, Uh, the very 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 bare minimum just ping them a link to um to this podcast and you know see if see if this can at least um help um help them identify some things that you know might need further work i guess that's the best way i can put it so anyway um also obviously you know don't just bung them this podcast as like you know the ultimate in what you can do for them (laughs) at all. Um obviously, you know, get him to a doctor, whatever you can. Um I'm just saying that, you know, if it can help, etc. Anyway, I am waffling. And now, final interview that was done um just yesterday, this is the most recent one. Um this is a chat with um, Paul mcmoneys who is um the voice of Bloodstock, the voice of Bloodstock Radio. Uh, and the Bloodstock Radio podcast Also the face of Bloodstock TV Over the uh, over the weekend The man who gets to interview everybody And um, and a big acid rain supporter as well And a top man And a forgetter of lyrics Extraordinaire Ladies and gentlemen um, It's now f- time for a chat Between myself and Paul McMoneys Of Bloodstock Let's get straight in McMoneys or McMoneys
3: McMoneys Right, definitely
0: my is. Right, okay, so that's that's the that's the important questions out of the way, Um, um, and we were going to do this yesterday, and like you know, you missed me and I missed you, whatever. Um, But you were you you um, were doing a shift um, with the Samaritans until three yesterday, and we were going to talk talk at five. So that seems like a kind of really uh, obvious way of kind of starting and saying, so how did you get involved with that?
3: Yeah, um, it was I don't know really. It was a, it was a combination of things really. Um, my mum my died not not through suicide or anything like that, but my mum died last uh, last July. Yeah. Um, and I just I don't know. Started reevaluating things a little bit really. And yeah. the Samaritans was always something that I'd sort of thought of because um, I had through through the work with music and stuff like that, I'd ended up uh, talking to quite a lot of musicians um, who were struggling with mental health. Um, there, there were yeah. a few of them that were posting about it on, on social media where you'd sort of see a little is anyone around, I could do with a chat just things like that but yeah. some others were a little bit more a little bit more subtle and you'd just sort of try you know and, and I found that sometimes just the Facebook message here and there just to say how are you doing mate how's, how's things going um, was was often quite quite helpful and sometimes you'd find people were were really struggling and and, and it really helped and there was a few people that um, I didn't even really know um, but knew them through social media um, the way it t- generally tends to happen when I've interviewed bands if I've interviewed one member of the band all four or five members of the band add me on social media so I don't necessarily actually know the people that, that, that I've sort of reached out to a bit um, and, and, and so I found that, that there's a lot of people struggling as I say, especially in, in, in music which was mainly the sort of people that I was seeing but in general um, and I'm fortunate enough to, to never have really had struggles with my mental health. Um, I don't know whether it was because um, I had a serious illness when I was 13 and it sort of you know, made me grow up a lot. And, and I've always had that kind of, you know, well, there but for the grace of God, all that sort of thing. And you always sort of put big problems as to say, well, it could be worse, at least you've got your health, stuff like that. So I don't know what it is, but I've never really struggled with it. So that almost made me kind of um, almost feel obliged to sort of help out people that do and it's just a case of just reaching out to people and talking really so um, the, the I've always had a bit of a problem with the with the platitude that you see people you know where I am if you need me because as as I'm sure you know that, that, that people don't that are in that situation don't want to reach out to people they just want to they just want to stay in themselves so we've yeah. got to reach out to them and you've got to check in with them and that's what I found was being more beneficial but of course my my list of people was getting longer and longer as to who I was just checking in on. If I had just like you know just a spare hour on on, uh, I knew I was just going to be rather than just scrolling through cat pictures on Facebook, I thought it'd be worthwhile to just ping a few messages out. How's thing go, how things go? How things going? How things going? With Samaritans, obviously they've made that step. They've reached out. So the people that are calling in, they, they've made that step to reach out to someone to, because they need to talk about things. So it seemed a good fit with things, with what I was already sort of doing, um, and 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 that was just how it came about, really.
0: So I mean, you know, when when you say um, kind of checking in on people, has uh, is, is that just has that just kind of snowballed? Is is it people messaging you saying, "Oh, you know, you know, fancied a chat and heard you good to talk to," is or, or or you know. if if basically were people coming to you or were you going to people or was it just sort of you picking up on kind of the tone of people's messages
3: yeah it was it was the latter definitely i don't not many people have, have, have reached out to me which is again what i'm saying that that you know the whole sort of you know where i am that very rarely actually happens no matter how many posts you put up so you know all these all these posts sharing it just let people know that you're there with some sort of hashtag, you know, I'm here for you, things like that. It, it, the, the reality of the situation is that when people are struggling, they they tend not to they tend not to reach out. They tend to, in my experience anyway, they tend to stay within themselves. So yeah, this was nearly always me me reaching out to people. And the the actual, just to return it to the Samaritans thing, the actual thing that triggered it was that I saw someone share the stat on on, on Facebook that was talking about 12 men a day in the UK were committing suicide. And I thought, that is very, very high. And I just thought that could not be accurate. So I went away and researched it, I you yeah. should honestly, with stuff you see on social media, and looked at the um, the ONS, the Office of National Statistics, and it was indeed 12, 12, 12 men a day um, on average in the UK. And I thought that was absolutely staggering. So I, I put up a post myself saying, this is not just something I have cut and pasted. I have seen this post elsewhere and I've researched it. And, it, you know, there are 12 men a day committing suicide. And I thought, that, you know, I, I just wanted to share that out there. And then I thought, I'll put a Samaritan's bit at the end. So I went and found, you know, a, a Samaritan's uh, image, which had the, the number of ways that you can contact them on there. And then I thought to myself, that that's, that's not really enough. So while I was on their website getting that graphic, I thought I'd have a bit of a look round about volunteering and just seeing what it entailed and and, and and about what was going on with it. And there was a an information session as the first step which was, was going on locally to me when I was living down in Bedford. So I went along to that and again it, it sounded like, you know, something that I could do. I talked about the the timescales involved and the and you know, what it would entail. It's a very It's a very good training program. It's like a 10-week, 12-week training program, Um, and then you start going on a mentored sort of thing where you've got a person, you're listening in on their calls, and then you start taking some calls on your own, but it's all done at your own pace when you feel ready to and things like that, and there's a really good support network within the Samaritans for each other. So it's not just all about the caller and supporting them; it's all about supporting the people that are taking the calls. And because obviously we're all human beings, and, and the sort of the sort of situations that people are in can affect us as Samaritans as well. So there's there's two sides to it, really, and, and, and that, that works really well, I find.
0: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, and um, um, do you have any dealings with Metal for Life NI? You know the. Um... I do.
3: Um... Yeah, I, um, I well, it, uh, again, it's a slightly more complicated <laughs> story with that. When, when Simon Hall went over to the uh, Metal to the Masses Belfast uh, final this year, they were there and he was the team with a, uh, a T-shirt on. So yeah. I, I looked at what they were and, and realised that I was actually more involved in it than what I'd realised. So the situation with them was that uh, back in 2017, um, the Metal to the Masses winners, um, a band called Shrouded in, in Northern Ireland, um, I'd interviewed them, and I'd interviewed um, a lad called Danny Kansanaho, who was their lead singer. Um, so they, as, as we do on Bloodstock Radio, we interview all, all the melts, the masses, winners. So I'd interviewed Danny. Um, he'd done the usual, yes, it's amazing, can't wait to play at Bloodstock. We're, we're really, really looking forward to it and everything. So that was in the May, May 2017. In August 2017, they came over from Belfast and, and played at Bloodstock, and in October 2017, Danny sadly took his own life. So you can see just within that t- short timescale of of how that obviously linked in with me and with Bloodstock, but also that this sort of thing where people have this idea, well, you know, why would he do that? He's, just, he's in a band that's just played at Bloodstock, and and why would you know why would he feel that he had to took his, take his own life? So that sort of rang with me a bit, and this this um it's not it's not officially a charity it's a support it's a sport group, but it was set up by his mum and uh, his mum Gillian uh set that up yeah and it's um there's support groups so it's a its it's a support group in in northern Ireland aimed at metalheads
0: yeah now the reason I ask is because Gillian is on is on this special um and um it it wasn't until the i mean, I did an interview with her a little while ago. Um, funnily enough, just when Unsainted had come out, Slipknot Single. And uh um, yeah. Uh, and yeah we 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 had a bit of a chat and um i've since spoken to her about some artwork that we were thinking of using as well and and all sorts of bits and pieces and um and i noticed that you i i noticed that you were posting and there seemed to be a connection there i was just interested to find out what it was because it just seemed really weird i'd never heard of i'd never heard of them and then i did the interview and then i saw kind of like you know you connected with them and it was like all oh, right what's going on here um uh, and just and I know they kind of hooked up with um, with bloodstock as well which um, which again seems to have taken um you know taken mental health on as as a as a bit of a sort of as a cause as it were
3: yeah absolutely i mean they they came over and they had a little stall in the in the new blood tent um which is obviously where Danny would have performed in in two thousand seventeen so um, a couple of the guys came over, and there's a lad uh, called Gareth that's involved with it, and he is actually in a band uh, that came over and played on, on, the, um, on the Yeager stage, I think it was this year. And so they're, they're, they're called Sky Pilot, and, um, and so he and Gillian and a lad called Chris uh, were the people that we spoke to um, in the, uh, on, the po- on the podcast, on the Bluffstock Radio podcast. Um, and they're mainly the sort of three people that that, that do it. So yeah, so so Bloodstock, um, and mainly through Simon, because obviously going over to the metal of the masses and that lot, uh, invited them to come over and have a little stall there, and they were selling T-shirts and 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 you know bits and bobs. Um, and yeah, and and also with Bloodstock, we also had Young Minds um, there this year as well, which is a a little known charity really, but they've been going for quite a while because we interviewed them on the podcast as well. But they're our new our new official charity partner for the festival. So. Mental health is really, really taking on a, a really big part of what's not young.
0: Yeah, and and funnily enough, I I, I think um, uh, my discussions with um, Al from um, from uh, uh, Evile have revolved very much around the fact that you know people in bands per se. I think artists in general, be they actors, musicians, comedians, whatever um struggle probably struggle more with mental health than um than than any other kind of um oh what would i say Uh, walk of life because it just seems that um with creative people there's, there's a real thing about not being able to switch off not being able to turn that creative tap off um and that leading into kind of that leading to problems I was going to say in later life but for some people you know quicker than others
3: would you yeah absolutely you know? I mean I, I yeah in, in my experience I, I found you know through through quite close friends as well really that there's there's that big sort of it's that big drop from that big high of performing to coming on stage and then not having and then having you know obviously with up-and-coming bands as well you're very much kind of you know you can be it's a a very hectic thing if you've got a full time job which nearly everyone has to have uh, because you know we all know that you don't make a living out of music unless you're right up at the very top of it then that that sort of drop from having that high of of spending the weekend you can maybe spend Friday Saturday night playing in front of crowds of hundreds of people and then you're going into a mundane job on Monday morning that that you're doing just to pay the bills but really what you want to be doing is up on stage and I think that drop I think that that affects a lot more people than what, what people realise. I think that whole sort of idea of going back to the mundane aspect. And I mean, we all have it. as metal fans and stuff like that. You know, you can go to club stop for the weekend, just absolutely lose yourself. And then, oh, back to work on Tuesday. We've all got that sort of aspect. But I think that that performing thing gives so much of a buzz. I think the drop from that is is, is much bigger.
0: Um, I, that's a really interesting take on it because I had never I'd never really thought of that. My My problem is always the is always the, the initial the 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 initial come down when you first come off stage. Um, certainly applies heavily in stand up where it's it's more pronounced because obviously the whole performance is, is, is you and so, you know, there's a there's a big high. But there's also no one to share it with. I've found it a lot more difficult to um, to kind of switch off and uh, and wind down after a comedy gig than after a gig with a band. Um gig the band you can we can all you know you can sit there and yeah you might have a couple of beers but you just you all start chilling out and you know start feeling tired and you just sort of talk through the gig and little things that you remember and, that you, and, and you're all kind of I hate to use the word but decompressing together whereas doing stand-up you come off stage I mean last night I was I was the first act on MC went on, did a good job, I went on, had a really good sh- really good show, come back on. You come into a dressing room, there is the MC, whose head is still in the gig. There is the next act on, who obviously doesn't want to talk to me because they're next on. Then you've got the two acts who are on in the second half, and they're having a chat together. And then there's the woman in the corner who, um, who runs the show. Um, and I'm just kind of like... That was awesome. That was great. I'm on a high. I'm buzzing, and there's not one single one of those people that wants to fucking hear it. <laughs>
2: Do you know yeah. what I mean? There's yeah, no, there's really.
0: no one to share it with, and I found that really, really tough as a in 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 the comedy world. Like you know, driving home, and I might I might have like you know a hundred hundred and fifty mile drive or something like that. But I've had you know I've just closed an awesome show. It's been absolutely you know it's been brilliant. Everyone's going, yeah, fucking, hell, that's great, wonderful, oh, that was brilliant, you know. And then, twenty minutes later, half an hour later, I'm toweled off in my car, driving home, you know. And and that's it. It's it's basically like it never happened. But you're in the in the car, absolutely pumped, you know, full of adrenaline, and it's just kind of it's just kind of like you know, where do you go with that? It's that's the yeah. real that's the real battle as a performer, I think. Um, I'm aware I'm going on a bit here, but I, I remember seeing one of the guitarists in uh, Ramstein um, interviewed, and um, and and the interview is saying and he's saying that like, oh you know after a show it's very it's very hard to wind down because you're so pumped and all the rest of it, and um, and the interviewer says so you know what do you do what what you know what have you found that helps you kind of get back to reality after a show and I thought right here we go come on let's let's. Give me some, give me some, you know, some some tried and tested road advice, and uh, and he just looks at the camera and goes, oh, "I'm st- I'm still looking." I'm like, oh, uh, yeah.
3: "Shit." <laughs> well, well, funnily, you know, funnily enough, at Bloodstock this year we had a we had a guy called Phil Wallace working with us, and he was trying to get some more more generic sort of stuff. So, when, as, as you know from my interview style, I like to be more sort of conversational. I don't really like asking the generic questions that bands get asked in interviews all the time but he was he wanted to use some of our footage he was working with us bloodstock tv um, and next year we got the 20 years of bloodstock so he's been commissioned to put together a this is bloodstock thing so he coached me a little bit on on interviews and getting more out of the out of the interviewees that he could use so for example he was telling me about he said before you talk to a band can you ask them to repeat the question within the answer so if i was to say So how was that playing Bloodstock? If they just say, oh, it was absolutely amazing, he can't use just that clip of them because he doesn't know what's amazing. So they would say, oh, playing Bloodstock was amazing. So their answer has the question in it so that he can just take that clip and do it. So he asked us to to do that for a start, but he also said, also, can you ask some generic questions? And one of them was, how do you cope with touring? How do you cope with the, the things of touring? Because he wanted them to put that into a clip to say, How do Bloodstock bands cope with touring? And you, cloak, you clip to someone from Partway Drive, someone from Sabaton, someone from you know, whichever the bands. And they would just put five different answers together in a row, things like that. But again, it, I, the, the, the answers that we got were very much, eh, you know, each one's got their own sort of thing, each one's got their own. And this is a similar sort of thing, I suppose, when you're touring and you're bored and you're, your mind is just you know, you're just travelling and it must be so tiring and then you've got the performance and you've got the come down from that constantly, night after night after night after night. But no one really came up with any kind of great, you know, answers as to what they do to cope with touring.
0: Yeah, and I think think that's because, well, it's very much all about the individual. You know, what works for one does not work for the other. Um, Yeah. And it is... Yeah, um it, it's it's a it's a real fucking weird one. Um it really is. And um I mean I, I you know the obvious things are things that you do when you're at home which is um and it sounds really I used to think this was bullshit but um it's it's totally not. Um which is um eat as healthily as you can, you know, and the the healthier you eat, the the, the better your mental state, which I, I I never really kind of I could never really wrap my head around but um but it is a thing um it's also it's also it sounds like a piece of piss but when you're on the road it's really fucking not it's very difficult yeah you know and that's and that is that is the the basic you know put the best shit in you that you can to make yourself feel the best you can it kind of you make sense it's you know it's it's really the, the the basic the number one thing you can do and the number one thing to do Eating better is really difficult when you're on the road because you are just constantly in um, uh, service stations and and you know promoters chucking processed crap at you and all the rest of it. So it, it's it's a real that's that's a, a battle right from the word go. Um, the other one is like stay hydrated, you know St- that that makes a huge difference. Um, yeah, I can say that. and. Um, uh, and in, it's one thing I do, which I've I've done for a while now, which is just stretching, just physically. If you're stretching, you are physically working your muscles out, um, and you are you're basically you know helping your muscles muscles stretch across your skeleton. It's pretty fucking basic, but it really does help. Um, I mean, they're just like yeah, I've seen. Cool.
3: i've heard a few things about the, the links i've heard a few things about the links between physical health and mental health and and one thing that someone said to me a while ago that, that really, really resonated with me was that we you know we've all got mental health so when you you, you you sort of hear the words mental health and there's almost that sort of stigma to it it's almost that you sort of think oh i'm not i'm going to problems with mental health and it's not it's not that you know you've got mental health problems but everyone has mental health the same as yeah. you have Physical health, and some are in better physical health than in, than they are in the same than others, and the same with mental health. Some are in better mental health states than others, yeah. and a lot of and, and there's whole stigma about you know oh I'm not taking medication for it. I'm not, I don't want I don't want to go on you know antidepressants or things like that, but the links between them and the parallels between them if you've got a cough or a cold you can't get medicine for it if you have a mental health condition you shouldn't have a problem with getting medicine for it that's what it's there for and the whole the whole stigma attached to it really is a massive issue I think and really needs to be broken down
0: yeah I'm well um, yes I, I mean I kind of feel that these things happen that these things happen as they happen um uh, and by that, I think you know we, yes we 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 can, we can all we can all make things a bit more acceptable, but we 're never going to be happy because the changes that we 're looking for take time, and time is what we don 't have you know what I mean time is like you know I want the situation to be this, and I want it to be now and it 's like well, the situation probably will be that, but it'll be in twenty years Do you know what i mean it 's like yeah. some things just take a long and and without a doubt, I think we've um, there's definitely, I mean, the the, the conversation about mental health, um, whether it's, you know, whether it's men or women, it, it makes, uh, you know, I, I think there is a cliche that, that um, because, you know, the, the male suicide thing and men not being um, as good at, uh, at talking or, or, or managing their feelings or basically not being as emotionally intelligent as women. That is very much seen yeah. as a male problem. It's not. I mean, it's a male and female problem. If you're a human being, you will most likely suffer from some form of depression during your life. Um, so it's not just it's not just a in inverted commas man thing. I think, but but what 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 is an, a man thing is not talking about it enough and not being open enough. Um, and that is something that we can change. And um, and I definitely think it is on the change. I mean, you know. Just this podcast, for instance, but um, yeah. you know, I, I, I think I think people are being a lot more open about it, you know, and I really do think it makes all the difference. Um, uh, and I, I think there's, I think we we are definitely, and, and one thing I think that helps, and this is something we have both got in common. We're both big football fans. Um, the um, the way people talk about um, the mental side of sport is a real is you know for for real kind of like old school blokes it's a way of getting through to them that look you know even your so-called rock solid rock hard sporting heroes say that you know even what they do is more about in the head than it is in the body
2: yeah and, absolutely. and,
0: and I think that's really really important you know just getting across the fact that um yeah you can be physically strong and you can be mentally strong and you can be physically weak and you can be mentally weak you know it's it's And but, you know, same as you would get treatment for, you know, physical injuries, get treatment for the medical injuries, and they are... It's always talking. It is always talking. And I think there is... um, I think some people can be frightened of that because there there has... I mean, I genuinely believe there has to be some form of talking therapy. It can't just be um, uh, medication. And for some people it needs to be medication and um, counselling. And for some people it's just counselling. But whatever it is... um, you, you can't expect somebody to fix you for you you are going to have to engage with it and you are going to have to um, fix yourself to a, to a big degree and I think that's quite scary for people as well
3: yeah I think it always is any, I mean any kind of changes I mean you're talking about the, the physical side of things and the the time with it you know that, uh, if you're trying to lose weight if you're trying to be healthier you, as you say that doesn't happen overnight no pain no gain all that sort of thing you've yeah. got to put the work in you've got to you've got to actually do that yourself and I think that people do sort of accept that but it's I think as I say there's still that sort of stigma with it got, returning to the Samaritan sort of thing I think that's a that's a really good first step with some with some people because um, for, for people that are listening that don't that don't know and and just always just link Samaritans with suicide, it's not about suicide. That's not what it's about. The Samaritans is a listening service, and you can be you can just have had a bad day. It, you don't have to be suicidal to ring the Samaritans. The, the The mission statement is to reduce suicide rates, but it's not all about suicide. So the yeah. the, the analogy that I always have in my head is that. You don't need to be on the cliff edge to actually ring Samaritans. You, you have not just arrived at that cliff edge. You have walked yes. all the way down that hill to get yeah. to that. Edge. And even if you're t- at the top of the hill and you're starting to feel your mental health declining or you're worried about anything, you're stressed about anything. And a lot of people find that that's talking to the Samaritans because we are completely impartial. We are completely confidential and it is just some some people are talking to us about things they've never spoken to anyone else about in their life for whatever reason that they're ashamed of themselves or they're embarrassed about it or that the other people are too involved in it and just sometimes that freedom to be able to talk to someone openly about something and actually to explore it even if it's suicide the, the whole point of samaritans Um, we do not talk people out of committing suicide, if they they have decided that is their choice then that is their choice and all we will do is talk around it with them and we will talk about taboo subjects, there is nothing that you cannot talk about with the Samaritans and I think that is really freeing for people sometimes and it's as I say sometimes the first step if you're just sort of thinking I think I'm struggling but I I don't really know, to just explore those feelings and be able to talk freely about it is a really powerful thing I think
0: well I think um what's really interesting what you're saying there for a start, I think that will have cleared up a lot of people's misconceptions, including my own um I didn't realize that before, so thank you for that um but also, yeah, of course, you know prevention is better than cure and 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 what you want to do if you can prevent somebody from being becoming suicidal, like you say, just you know somebody knowing that they can always ring the Samaritans because they've had a shitty day and just talk it over with somebody, well, you know that you know doing that once or tw- you know doing that you know intermittently over a period of six months may stop somebody you know they may never ring the Samaritans again but it may it may stop them going down that that route of everything getting worse and snowballing and ending up in a depressed slash suicidal state um, and it makes complete sense it really does uh, what's yeah, what's my... that's, exactly what,
3: that's exactly what it is that's exactly what it's all about and I uh, say that the, the... The, the number of, obviously, we are completely and utterly really confidential, so I can't talk about specifics, but the number of things that people are struggling with at the moment is just so wide and varied. And sometimes people ring up and they're talking to you about the most mundane things and just just sort of thinking, right, where's the big thing here? But. It can just be the straw that broke the camel's back. You've got yes. no idea what else is yeah. going on with them. And there could be yeah. a million other things. And it could just be that one thing that someone's given them a dirty look at their work. It could be that someone's made a comment that, they've, they've, that someone's seen something on social media that they think might be aimed at them. And yeah. it, it doesn't matter. What, oh. Whatever whatever it is, it's, it's fine to talk about.
0: Well I, I I remember when I was in a, in the depths of a real bad depression and um I was sat on the train it's when I used to it's when I used to commute when I when I used to have a job when I used to have a regular job um and um I was going in on the train in the morning and um uh, I was sat next to some bloke and um people from some other seats across from us got up and got off the train and he got up from being sat next to me and went and sat in one of those seats and i and i remember I remember a feeling of almost physical pain um uh, I, 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 like this guy, and of course to me, this guy was getting up and walking away from me because he couldn't stand to be sat next to me f- for whatever reason that I'd invented um but he, but he just got up and went and sat. And I and I just remember feeling like absolutely gutted. Like this bloke was basically turning around and like, you know, giving me two fingers and going, you know, fuck you. I can't, I can't stand being sat next to you for one minute longer. Now, you know, I had these thoughts and it does sound completely insane now we're talking about it now, you know. But I remember at the time yeah. just feeling utterly crestfallen. How could this person be so be so horrible to me you know and it's like it it, it make you know like completely nonsensical but when you're in that kind of place when you are down you know you are fucking down and and there just doesn't seem to be a way out and little things like that somebody just getting up and going and sitting in a different seat Uh, you know i was i was in bits after it it was like my it was like my entire morning had been ruined and this was like about quarter to eight in the morning (laughs)
3: um And, it really... and that's one of the things that they—that's that, one of the things that they teach on the Samaritans training—is the whole idea of empathising with someone. So you don't know where someone is, and they, they had a really brilliant bit in the training, and I'll try to visualise it for you because it was a visual thing. But there's a guy walking down the road, and he sees a hole in the middle of the road, and he hears this little voice saying "hello," and he looks, and he stands at the edge of the hole, and he looks down into the hole, and there's a little face looking up at him. He's like, "What are you doing down there?" She's sort of like. Oh, I, I fell in the hole. It's like, all oh, right. Well, what's it like down there then? Oh, it's, it's really cold and dark and horrible. And, 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 you know, I'm a bit scared, really. It's like, all oh, right, okay. Well, that's not very good, is it? And then it shows you the other side of it. Exactly the same happens again. But the second time, he sees a ladder against the wall. And he puts the ladder in the hole and he climbs down the ladder and goes down into the hole with the guy. Yeah. talks to him and says oh yeah you were right it is dark down here and it is cold and it is thin. but i'm, I'm here now so why don't we talk about things and then and and that is what we as samaritans are, are taught to do you get into the hole with them but the difference is that you know where the ladder is to get back out and if you can bring them up that ladder with you then that's that's great that's exactly what we want to try and do even if it's up one rung of the ladder so that they're one step up out of the hole and i, I keep that that thing in my head all the time i always have that visualization of, where was this person on the ladder when they rang and yeah. where are they when we end the call and they go out of there and just that whole idea of of you, you can't empathize and you can't understand what someone's going through if you're stood outside the hole looking in you yeah. need to get into the hole with them and try and, and try and understand that as i say you never know what people are going through
0: yeah and i i i think like you said you especially in the age of social media you know you, if you're messaging with somebody and like you know you see you're on WhatsApp, you see the two blue ticks or you're on Facebook and you see that they've seen the message and, you're, you know, and you're like, well, where's my reply? Where's my?" Rep-? And, and, you know, people can get really bent out of shape and invent all sorts of scenarios as to why their message hasn't been replied to or if it has been read or if it hasn't been read, why is it being ignored? And, and you, can talk, you know, you just talk yourself into an absolute mess. The point is that nobody knows what's going on in each other's lives. You never know what's going on in someone else's life. And you know, I, I think there's a, an immense to be amount to be said for that. Um, and also, funnily enough, empathising, yes, very important. But also, I think um, you can easily, um, if you get it wrong, you can empathise with somebody, but it can have um, it can have a demeaning effect, as in you're normalising something that shouldn't be normal. Do you know what I mean? so yeah. it happens to it happens to me all the time with ADHD where people say oh what's it like and you go well there's this there's this and they go oh I do that oh I do that and it's like yeah you, you could you like stop minimising something that I have and you don't you know mm. it's, it, 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 it's it's really it's really frustrating um, and by the same token like I said you know it, it, it's you can empathise with somebody but you do it in the wrong way and you end up you end up Frustrating them even more, and thinking, "Well, hang on, then you know, this is this this is not what I thought it was." As in um an ability to you know contextualize your feelings, your emotions, and 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 bounce things off people, and have somebody help you understand yourself rather than somebody tell you about yourself.
3: Yeah, I okay, get yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think very much for me, it's always been going on that journey whereby, like you 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 find stuff coming out of your mouth, hearing yourself say stuff. And it's like, and I'm sure you get this a lot where where you talk about where people say something for the first time. That can be a massive deal because it could have been in their head for 10, 20 years, but you you could be the person that they actually say it out loud to for the first time. And that can be a massive moment because, you know, saying something that is incredibly important for the first time out loud um, makes it real. And once it's real, you can deal with it.
3: Yeah, exactly that. And that's exactly what we try to do. Is to, it's, it, And it's almost like a stepping stone sometimes. You know, once they're, once they're standing in that place where they've been scared to stand before, you know, where they're actually talking about something and actually sort of looking, you then got to look, right, where do I go from here? You need to make that step to actually, as you say, say something out loud, make it real, make it exist. And then you're like, right. Until I've done that, I can't work out where I go from here. So a lot of people will be stood at the edge of that just thinking, I know I've got this issue. I haven't got anyone to talk to about it. So you can never actually fully deal with it. And that is, as I say, that next step. For me, I say, all Samaritans have different ways of doing things. But for me, if I can find someone a next step from where they were when they first rang, that is that is a really big thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I'm,
2: I'm, it is... Uh, um...
0: It must be incredibly rewarding as well. I mean, you know, let's 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 be completely open and honest about this. There, there is that um, there does come a, a certain amount of pleasure from being able to help people. Is, is, is that yeah, not absolutely. the case? You know.
3: Yeah. No. I absolutely is. It, it's 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 also incredibly. I, I try to look, think of the word for this now, but but I, I've spoken to some people that are that are in really, really dire situations and that you do almost feel privileged privileged is the word because sometimes, as I'm talking generically now across Samaritans you could be the last person that someone speaks to in this world before they decide that they are committing suicide and they are leaving this world and that is a privileged position to be able to hear someone's thoughts as to what they are and it can be very very interesting it can be very interesting to try to because some people are in a real dreadful state you can hardly understand what they're saying but some people are very very calm once people have made a decision um, even if it's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life um, it is it is sometimes really really calm if they've done that and they can talk to you and uh, uh, completely and rationally as to why they are in that place and why they have done it. It's not always a completely instinctive thing where someone is literally out of their mind and there's and this. It can be a real calming sort of thing. There's, a, there's an analogy about waterfalls and, and the calming pool at the bottom of it and things like that. Um, and, and that is a privilege to me, um, to, to, actually, to actually do that. But you know, there's, a, there's a variety of reasons for people doing it. it and, and, and for me, it is literally just as long as you're just thinking I've helped I've helped someone. If, you know, you usually do a three, four-hour shift. Um, if during that shift one person has called in and this you know, has got one one rung up the ladder, then then that's that's all fine. Because without the Samaritans, without talking to me, they might not have been. So that's that, that's what it's all about, really. Um, um, so there is a a, a a thing in it. You know, there is a, a sort of feeling of, of that you're helping and you're helping people out, but. You know, that's that, that's just part of it really. It's not that's not the main reason that I do it. I don't do yeah. it for my gratification. It's for, you know, but but it is a side effect of it, yeah, absolutely.
1: That's awesome, man.
0: And that's a that's a real I think that's a perfect place to leave it. You've topped and tailed, you know, your reasons for doing it and and, and how you do it and why you do it. And um that's pretty awesome, man. Thank you very much for um um for having a chat. I really do appreciate it.
3: That's absolutely fine. Just one thing I can finish off with, then, yeah, the Samaritans situation. There's, there's, there's two sides of it, obviously. If you're struggling and you feel that you need to talk to someone, then there are so many different ways of contacting the Samaritans. The main one is the phone lines, which is 116-123. That is 24-7, and it is completely and utterly confidential. It's completely and utterly free. It will not show up on any phone bills if you're worried about people not knowing about it. If you haven't got any credit on your mobile phone, you can still call that number. You can also text the samaritans uh, and you can even write letters to samaritans if you do the old-fashioned way um, and you can send emails so there's there's a million different ways to contact them, the samaritans so if you're um you know feeling feeling down feeling that you need to do that then that's the thing to do on the other side of things if you're like me and you're thinking you'd like to help then again go to the samaritans website the training is absolutely excellent and in the training, the primary concern is you. It's not necessarily all about the caller. It's about the listener. It's about the person and making sure that you're protected. At the end of every shift, we offload to a leader. You go to every call. You make notes during the call, and then you offload to the leader at the end. They go through your calls. They make sure that you're okay. And if there's anything that you think might linger with you or that might, might trouble you, you can call them again during the week You can call them any time to discuss it and to make sure that your mental health isn't affected by it as well. And then at the end of your shift, you put your notes through a shredder, which is very cathartic, and that is it. That is That maintains the confidentiality. The notes are only made during the call, and then it is gone. So if anyone feels that they might like to get involved in the Samaritans, even as a fundraiser, but preferably as a listener, then get in touch and do that. So that's both sides of it.
0: Wow, that's awesome, Paul. That's
3: really cool. Thank you very much. Okay, cool. All right, cheers, H. Take it easy, mate.
0: And there you go. Um that concludes the uh, mental health special. And um well, I I hope you liked it. I hope you enjoyed it. Not really the kind of sentiment that um goes goes well with um with this particular edition. Um I hope you found it informative um and um you know it's it's helped you in some way um you've had an enjoyable listen whatever it is thank you very much for um for being there for well coming up the uh, it's nearly two and three quarter hours which is absolutely amazing um so there we go um i hope this has brought you some sort of information that you didn't already have or at least has been in some way useful um so you know, what can I say? Thank you very much for listening. I am now going to finish off with, um, uh, a, well, an acid rain song called the man who became himself, which is all about, uh, exactly as it sounds, becoming yourself, going on that journey, um, finding yourself and, um, coming back and kicking ass and all that crazy metal shit sort of anyway. Thanks a lot. I'll speak to you next time.